Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast. My name is Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number 73, which I do not remember what I called, actually, if I'm honest. I'm very disappointed. The young ones. The young ones. There we go. Yes, because this is the roster of the young ones, is it not? Um, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ryan, Steve and Martin, who will be joining us in just a moment. Hopefully, Ryan, you can hear us now. I can hear you. We're up and running. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. How you doing, guys? You all right? All good. Football is six days away. Six well, more sleeps, like Christmas. Lions football is six days away, but football is only three days away. Yes. Yeah, um, Tampa Bay, Dallas. I, I don't want to watch that. Potentially one <laughs> of the more exciting games of the season, first up. Oh, Come, on. Oh, Come on. Come on. Maybe. Maybe. You've got to be heartless not to actually start perversely enjoying Tom Brady. Because out of the clutches <laughs> of Belichick, he has actually become slightly likable. It's very, very slightly. Yeah. Well, anyone that leaves the Patriots instantly becomes more likable to me. It's very, very true. Uh, what's up, everyone, in the YouTube and Twitch chats? We are live on there as normal. Berg Lions 509, SW Lion, One Funky Lions fan, a couple of others in there too. Hope you're doing well, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. We are going to be going through today the 53-man roster. Um, this has been done to death since, you know, it happened. So all of the, you know, major podcasts out there have gone into the nitty-gritty details of it. I think we're more going to focus on exactly where we are now and maybe the points of contention rather than anything else. We broke down exactly who we thought was going to be on the 53-man roster, including talking about all the ins and outs of that last time out. So we don't need to rehash that again. And then we're going to follow that up by doing our season's predictions. We are going to go game by game. We are doing our predictions. And last year, uh, the person who came last had to buy the first round of drinks on the Roar of the Lions meetup. Well, little did we know, 12 months ago, that we still would not have met in real life due to the pandemic. So, the person on the hook for that, I think, I, I think it's Ant. And Ant's going to be on the hook for that. But if you boys are willing to do that once again, then that could be two rounds of drinks for Ant for the meetup. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm not rolling over. Uh, Ant can buy his round first, and then we, we'll have a single round for this year. <laughs> yeah. Although having, ha- although having had a look at an early look at like someone's predictions, I'm not going to mention anyone's names. I'm pretty sure that they're going to be down for the uh, for the first round uh, or the second round, should I put it this time? Because you've been drinking too much Kool Aid and you want to lay off it. Uh, been- I I chug Kool Aid. You've been puffing on the hopium pipe. oh man what's up ashley in the twitch chat here's johnny's there don burr omar pacheo if you want to join us live please please do that uh one thing i can reveal just before we start today is that we've been trialing using discord as a server we've been running a whatsapp chat for some time and if you want access to that please ask we'll happily send you a whatsapp chat it's got loads of guys from the u.s 
and the UK and lots of people from Europe as well. But we're actually going to start using Discord as um, a place where, you know, we can chat. You can chat with us and ask us questions, maybe contribute to the podcast in some way by making suggestions or maybe even making, you know, uh, a guest appearance if you really, you know, if, if you want to do that. So I'm going to put the link in both the YouTube and the Twitch chats now. And if you want to join us, then, then please feel free to do that. Bear with me a second while I do that. Martin, how you doing, man? Good, thank you. Um, just enjoying the, the last bit of summer, I think. Well, it's been nice, isn't it? 27 yeah, degrees. I don't know what that is in, in Fahrenheit, but it's hot. It's hot a, nice light, a nice light drizzle in Scotland. <laughs> That's <laughs> summer, isn't it? That is a nice day. That is a nice day in Scotland. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, At one point, I took my coat off. <laughs> yeah oh, okay well. so what do we have oh yeah sw line thanks for saying that man like the video guys hit the bell do all that sort of stuff that would really help us out as we go through and of course if you have not seen it yet we did interview jason bell last time out that is on our youtube channel to rewatch. one of the most compelling interviews we've done and we've talked to some of the best out there in dave burkett and whatever and i'm not saying jason bell's better than dave because dave's an absolute legend but Someone from outside Detroit, a bit of a different sort of perspective on things. He's one of the main men over here in the UK when it comes to the NFL. He's the co-host of um, the NFL show, um, as well as doing his own podcast, which is one of the most listened to over here for, for American football. So he's, he's a big, big guy. And his views on what the Lions are going to do, Aaron Glenn, special teams, the importance of special teams was really interesting. There's a few other bits in there, boys. It was, it was a really exciting piece, wasn't it, Steve? Special teams for special players, as he always says. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, his his passion when he was talking about Aaron Glenn, um, not just kind of a friend as a mentor. And I think he said it was it was the best corner he'd ever played with. Um, the guy that taught him to play corner, and just a guy that he massively respected in terms of his work rate, his attention to detail. We were asking him about the whole um, Jeff Acuda. Uh, never been shown how to watch tape properly for that kind of blew up in the off season. And he was given his views on that. Um, but I think the one takeaway from it was that he's massively confident that Aaron Glenn is going to, you know, make a huge impact on our, our defense. Um, maybe not in, you know, maybe we won't see it against San Francisco. Maybe it will take a few weeks, maybe even next season before we really see the benefit, but he, is absolutely confident that, that AG is going to do the business um, on that, that defence, which I cannot wait for. Yeah. Did you boys manage to catch it? Yeah, I, I did. I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was really good. I, it, was, it was actually nice being a fan watching it, actually. And he came across as the kind of guy that you could actually just, uh, you know, probably easily bump into down the, down the local and, uh, you know, chat football with for probably hours. And, like, I bet you, you know, that 30 minutes while it was... You know, um, you know, uh, was short was probably felt long because of all the information you're getting from him. So it was really great, and the shame. Hopefully, one day soon we'll get him back, and all of us will be able to attend it. That at the time it's been uh, been done, but yeah, it was really good. And like uh, like mentioned there uh, by Steve, that the um, the Aaron Glenn comments were were really great to hear and kind of get an insight on what we've got there now in Detroit. Um, you know. Uh, especially when we talk about defence, because we all know how important it is. And then obviously, last from our last head coach, who was meant to be a defensive guru um, and didn't even watch film with like his first number one draft pick. So, you know, obviously 
that's a good way of seeing it, how you know, the change in Detroit anyway, just from a little glimpse like that. So um, very pleased. And there was a great interview. Well done, boys. Good stuff. Right, let's move on and talk about the 53-man roster. So we have got, um, let's see, what are the big talking points from this? So we go with three quarterbacks, but one on IR. So we're running with two. And then we have the, the new man on the practice squad, who is Steven Montez, who came from the Washington football team. The most I know about him is he's a, a dual-threat quarterback, and that's going to really help us out when it comes to facing some of the more mobile guys out there. I uh, don't know if you guys have seen, Mon uh, seen Montez, Stephen Montez, have you seen Montez at all um, at college or at Washington? No, I've not seen him, but I, th I think um, I, I read that, that they were going to use him to kind of simulate, you know, when they're playing against a, a Justin Fields or you know, your more mobile quarterback, they're going to kind of use him as a, a simulate in practice. And so that that sounds like a good addition. I mean, if you have a look at the mobile quarterbacks who could potentially be in our schedule, I, I would think that he's not too dissimilar to, say, Jalen Hurts, Week 8, against Philly, um, as well as, obviously, Fields we're going to face twice. Russ we're facing Week 16, uh, 17. So, you know, there's plenty of mobile. I mean, you can't get more mobile than Week 3 in Baltimore. So hopefully that's going to provide us with a... A little bit of conditioning, although I dare say if they just get burned doing that, it might hurt our confidence. But you know, will we face Fields twice, or will we face Andy Dalton twice? Who knows? According to Matt Nagy, we will face Andy Dalton at least once. Is it is it the darkest timeline if we face Dalton twice? Because that means that the Bears have done actually really well. <laughs> That'd be awful. Right. Anyway, let's move on down through. So running backs got Swift and then Kabinda at fullback for starters. The reserves being Jamal Williams, Jamal Jefferson and Godwin Equip UK. Uh, on the practice squad, Craig Reynolds got there and actually there was a comment in chat about whether um, you know they, they were surprised that Reynolds managed to make it to the practice squad and didn't get claimed. Did you agree with the decision to maybe say keep Equip UK and, and keep Reynolds on the practice squad or did you think Reynolds would make it? Ryan. Uh, Ryan. Um, well, I mean, honestly, I, I have to fully admit that I didn't get to see as much of the preseason as I would have liked, but I was probably maybe a little bit surprised. But, you know, I thought Reynolds kind of didn't do anything wrong. You know, um, I don't honestly know a lot about Godwin Ig uh, Igbuque, so, you know, I, I can't really comment on him either. But, yeah, I mean, I, in terms of uh, am I a little bit surprised that he didn't get picked up, then I would probably say yes. But, I mean, obviously... You know, I haven't seen enough of him to give a fair and honest comment, to be brutally honest with you. I'm just getting my football bug bitten on me now, so I'm getting into it now. So I'll be revving up the engines with it. I think the thing with Iguabuque was that, you know, he can do a bit more in terms of his punt returning and the kickoff returning ability. Um, and obviously Reynolds has kind of come in out of nowhere um, and they're probably still like evaluating what he can do. I mean, he's certainly shown some like really amazing flashes of talent um, and he certainly seems to be someone that, you know, could absolutely make an impact, but maybe they just wanted to have a few more months to have a look at him, whereas Iguabuka they felt they could use straight away. So um, it's going to, be, going to be interesting to see how he develops. Oh, a couple of questions there. Do the Lions win on Sunday? We will get there. We will get oh, to that. We will get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... 
yes, we'll see. <laughs> right, tight ends. We only went with two. Any surprise that we cut both? Obviously, one both came back to the practice squad, and then Mac was cut. We do have Brock right there, and we have got another tight end as well. Uh, Shane Zielstra from the Vikings. Don't know anything about him, if I'm quite honest. Oh, and Jared Pinkney as well from the Titans. Um, any surprise? We've only got two on the roster. I think it's um, Dan Campbell is, is laying down his marker that if, if you're okay, then you're not good enough for the roster. And I think Mac has been kind of okay at a push for a couple of drops, not really impressed. And, you know, he's got cut. And I think that's very much the message. You're not going to just like tread water and get a practice on my roster. Um, yeah. How long's Hunter Byron out for? Because I, I, you know, I quite like him. There's something about him I like, you know. But how long is he actually on the reserved um, reserve injury list? Yeah. So he's on the non-football injury list, which is kind of like being on injured reserve. It's not he's out for the season, but so it has been indicated privately from somewhere to people I, I don't know whether it was on a podcast like this too or whether it was said privately so i'm not going to say who, who said it but there is absolutely no expectation that the man will ever play a professional snap in the nfl again um so i don't think that that's necessarily anything in terms of quality or anything like that i think it's more just that he has kind of there's a feeling that he's potentially retired from the game is just not strictly announced it so I wouldn't expect him to come back. Um, let's have a look here. Uh, people talking about food. Will Money says, can you send me fish and chips, mate? Yeah, give me your address. And I'll send it over. I'd kill for a decent Vindaloo to Ferg Lions. I must confess, I do not like Vindaloo. Um, it's far too hot for me. I can't take it. Stick with a Madras. You can't go wrong with a Madras. Madras is a fucking fine curry. Love it. Uh, right, wide receiver. Right well. Sorry, sorry, Ryan. So the Booner is a good one as well. Try <laughs> Booner. How many of them though? Three, right? Chink, chicken Booner, prawn Booner. Yeah, about oh. three for me. Yeah. <laughs> Kimanan. What? That's the bloody. Um, I was going to say Will and Grace. It's not Will and Grace. What's the? What's the name of that no, show? Um, Gavin and Stacey. Gavin and Stacey. Stacey. Thank you very much. You put me down as oh. Smithy by the. I was Smithy or Nessa. Hopefully Smithy, I suppose. It's Smithy, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I really love that character. I really hate him. Like, just... J James Corden is one of those guys that... I don't wish anyone any ill will, pretty much ever. Apart from him. I didn't say it. You said it. Uh, well, I, I think just... the term is a face, a face you would never tire of punching. Have <laughs> <laughs> you said Done well in America, like the boy, isn't he? Did you see the video of him promoting something in that rat mouse costume, fucking humping the air? Well, dick. Oh, God. I'd love to see him just in a bit of pain. I would. Anyway, moving on to wide receiver. And we have got very, very many of them. We have seven on the roster at the moment. Uh, one came via trade, and that is Trinity Benson. I think he came the day before Cup Down Day. He came at the cost of a 2022 fifth and seventh round pick. We receive a 2023 sixth in return. I've heard a lot of people waxing lyrical about the fact that they didn't want this to happen and whatever and what have you. But my feeling on this is 
The Broncos do not have a quarterback. Potentially, they're not going to be very good. So that fifth round pick and seventh round pick that we're giving up might be high, or they could be our comp picks that we know we're definitely getting. And in return, their sixth could be quite a high sixth round pick. So if you're trade, let's ignore the seventh, because that's a priority free agent. No one cares about that. There's no value there whatsoever. If you're trading a middle-of-the-road fifth for a top-end sixth or something to that effect, and in return you have a player who's perhaps worth that difference in price, you're basically net the same, right? I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with this trade. Any thoughts? I kind of agree that because of the compensation picks, I don't think it overly matters too much. You know, uh, what we're getting a third or fourth or the fifth next year is expected. So, you know, there's a little bit of room to play with it. So if they like him, then why not? I mean, it's definitely a position that we need. Fingers crossed. I think everyone in the heart of hearts was expecting maybe more of a name, maybe a Michael Gallup or something like that to maybe be traded for. And, um, but um, yeah, it wasn't to be. So, uh, and I don't think that that many came available at the end of the day that we thought they may, um, you know, when, when the cuts came. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know a lot about the lad, but obviously, please God, he, he can um, produce produce for us this year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, Luke G on his show there were, um, was playing a bit of tape on him and, you know, there's some positive stuff there. But, you know, like I said, the scouts have, you know, uh, they've obviously seen something in him. Um, so, you know, we just need to hope that their judgment's correct and that they've like unearthed a bit of a, a, a diamond here. Yeah, I think our hopes for him are the same as the hopes we have for Chad Hansen when he came on board. He's someone who's going to stretch a field. He runs a 4.44, 40 times. So, you know, after Perryman left, we need someone who had a bit of speed and he provides that. So I think he'll see some some play in some sets just because we need that sort of player. And I, I agree with what um, Eric says on this when he says... This scheme requires someone who can stretch a field so the underneath guys have space. And we didn't have the speed guy, and now we do. So it was it was entirely necessary to make this move. Not just, you know, I think I would have been willing to give up more than we did. So, you know, good that we actually got it done. Um, right, so the wide receivers, apart from Trinity, we do have Tyrell Williams, Khalif Raymond, and Amon Ra as the starters in three receiver sets, according to Lions Wire. The reserves are Carderell Hodge, who we claimed on waivers, Quintus Cephas, and Tom Kennedy, along with Trinity Benson. Um, Tom Kennedy, or Quintus Cephas, depending on who you want to listen to, took that sixth receiver spot as it was when the initial 53-man roster was uh, indicated. He led... Um, in receiving yards in the preseason for the Lions. And I think he has done potentially the last three seasons and yet only made one or two regular season games on the roster. We've heard of this talk about redundancy, about the fact that his skill set is replicated in the other players that we have. And so even if he has done really well, is he going to see the field against Khalif Raymond, who's a, apparently a great slot player, who Am- Amarat is going to be our starting slot player. And, you know, Cephas is going to see some time in the slot. So where does Kennedy fit in? And yet, you do feel like you've got to reward him for having three straight excellent preseasons, right? Back me up. Well, I think the whole point of preseason, you know, it, it's not to run the roost over our starters. That's not how the, the modern NFL preseason is. It's, it's all about the roster and players on the bubble. And Kennedy's done nothing but prove he can deliver. You know, I don't think he's dropped a pass. Um, he's done everything that can be asked to. He's looked good. He's looked committed. So, you know, let's give him a spot on the roster because there's a lot of receivers that, you know, like 
Perriman being the classic example, who's just not produced anything in three preseason games. So, you know, I think that's why they've given it him. He's obviously got some grit in terms of his attitude. Um, so to me, that's a good decision. But I'm also pleased to see they brought um, Hodge in because I think that's um, potentially a really good pickup. Yeah, it seems like, you know, that Kennedy ticks all the boxes for the uh, coaching staff there at the moment. And, you know, all the lads I've spoke to in Detroit, the one person they've been most excited about all summer long has been uh, Tim Kennedy. So um, you're really, really pleased to see him get a chance and please God, he can, he can make it happen at the, the higher level. But, you know, as, as, as uh, Steve said there, like the preseason technically is to get a judge on your, you know, your depth and who you've got there and who you believe could come in and help out when needed. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a shining light in that, in that department. So, you know, I'm glad to see him make the roster and, you know, um, please God, he, you know, better things come. So, Carderell Hodge, he's played in 39 games so far in his three-year career, starting one with uh, Cleveland. He played in nine games last season, playing 27% of the total offensive snaps in that year, which was a career high. In the year before in Cleveland, he played 60% of the special team snaps. So he gets around and he's not inexperienced considering the rest of the roster. So that's positive piece. Yeah, I think if you look at his relative athletic score, um, he came from Prairie View and it looks like he didn't do his um, agility drills. Um, so it looks like he's only got um, the explosion grades, which were great. Like his vertical and his broad are, are really good. Um, so, you know, they've obviously seen that he's got the ability to be one of those like, you know, sneaky, fast, um, you know, twitchy guys that, that can really like explode and get some separation. So let's see what he can do. Yeah. And, and you know, he, he certainly seems to have some, a bit of attitude um, with him. And I'm sure getting cut from the Browns will give him a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's taking a pay cut to come to us. Let's yeah. see what he can do. Let's give him a chance. Yeah, it's an amazing deal. So he was due $2.1 million. And when we claim him, he's still on that contract on waivers. And to kind of tie up him being here, he took a $1 million pay cut to reduce his compo this year to $1.1 million in return for getting $80,000 guaranteed. So he's got a stick on the roster to make the majority of his money, but he's got some financial security for this season, which I think is important for all players to have, knowing that, you know, you if you get cut, you can at least eat, which is a good thing, I think. Um, but, you know, the guy's going to feel some sort of loyalty to the team. And, you know, he's he compared to a lot of our receivers, he's actually seen some time. So that's great. Just want to shout out in the chats. A few people have said hello. Um, I think I mentioned Will Money before. MZ is there. Michael Lucci, as he said, hi from normal Illinois. Uh, Go Lions, love your coverage of the boys. Thank you very much, man. Luke G is in the house. What up, though? And Brog Crop <laughs> is in there as well. Thank you very much all for joining us. All right, let's move on to the next position group. And we've got the O-line. Um, I think we talked about Tyrell Crosby's cutting earlier, and it's a, a real shame that the guy behind him was waived with the injured designation as well. I can't recall for the life of me who that is. Um, Evan? Evan? No. The other one. Ah, what bloody hell's his name? I'm going to have to go on profile preference and have a look, because that's going to annoy me otherwise. He's been... It's not Matt Nelson. What the bloody hell is the name of the tackle? Who's Dan Skipper. Got it. Dan Skipper, yeah. Dan Skipper. So the guy who looked like he was probably our best reserve tackle all preseason, been playing, you know, fairly well on a line, which had been really, really badly. 
And then he goes and gets injured in the final preseason game. He's out for the season. So that's gutting. But we've only taken eight. And that's Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, Halepulovati, Vice Van Penny, Sewell Reserves, and Matt Nelson as tackle three, Logan Stenberg as guard three, and Evan Brown as the backup centre. In terms of practice squad players, I didn't talk about practice squad for the wide receivers as well, so I'll just mention that as well in a sec. But the only other guy on the practice squad uh, uh, on the O-line is guard Tommy Kramer, who I thought was actually going to make it, and tackle Darren Powell, who I'm surprised, Paolo is, I'm surprised he's made it to the practice squad at all. The wide receivers that also made it, we had Javon McKinley, who I'm pleased has caught on because he played really well. Sage Surratt, who I'm surprised has stuck around. Uh, those are your guys on the O-line and the wide receivers practice squad. What do you reckon on those boys? Any any surprises there? One of the best offensive lines in the NFC. One of the worst second string offensive lines in the NFC. Please, God, let no one get injured. Yes. Yeah. Not much to add there, really. It's pretty much such a big difference. One injury will kill it. And I just want to say out there, for anyone who says Penesol is a bust, you will go on mute. I am not <laughs> going to tolerate any chat like that. If Penesol goes out there and gets a 40 PFF grade and generally looks poor, he's 20 years old, he hasn't played in 18 months, and he's just changed position. We drafted him based on traits, his athleticism, Things that are going to translate in the future. Some guys do not work out in their rookie year. You've got to give him time. The thing is, the upside of him is that he could be excellent this season. But do not bank on it and do not get on him if he isn't. Because he doesn't deserve that. Well, you know, we welcome hate in this podcast. But let's not have stupidity. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you can't judge the kid after three or four pre-season, three pre-season games. So, I mean, like you say, 18 months out, uh, Chase, uh, sorry, is it Jamal Chase at um, Cincinnati? He's getting slated because he had a poor time catching the ball. You know he's going to come good eventually if you stick with him. So it's just one of those things. And, you know, he's got a lot of, you know, he's only 21, um, you know, our, our guy. So um, we've got a lot of time there for him to grow and he'll get better just, you know, and he's got good people around him, good leaders around him. He'll get a lot better. And um, like you say, it's a new position. So, you know, don't miss, just give him a bit of support, not uh, not shit on him just yet. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think Chase has not played football for a season as well. I mean, it's like a common theme, isn't it? You know, like if you if you've not played you know at that speed of a you know full price placed game you're going to be rusty and and you're going to make drops and you're going to make you know errors so you know people just need to calm the fuck down one pride pause and said justin fields is a bust i hope you're right but i do not agree with you um michael luke jesus just said um uh, we all saw big v at tackle and he doesn't really seem like an option but here's johnny said that Big V can be that backup tackle option. And I actually agree. Um, I have no doubt that Big V is probably a better tackle than Matt Nelson right now. And I have no doubt that Tommy Kramer is a better guard than Matt Nelson is a tackle from what I've seen in the preseason. Now, they didn't rep that way in practice. But that's my firm belief. Tommy Kramer really came on actually in preseason. And, and sorry, Logan Stenberg really came on in preseason as well. So I'd much rather kick out Big V's tackle and put in Logan Stenberg, but we know that they don't like to move around a settled um, O-line. So if Big is playing well at guard, do you really want to shove him out to tackle? It's an interesting question, but I do think that the best line, if, if Sewell goes down, would be to kick B, uh, Big V out to right tackle. 
well, I'm just going to say I'm going to give him a clean slate now because I think that he, does, he you know, after after the shamble, shambolica, you know, coaching over the last couple of years, that he's just going to get a clean slate from me. I mean, I gave him some serious shit last year, and deservedly so. But you know, I'm sure after uh, the game on Sunday, if he's uh, played a part and played atrocious, then I'll be back on um, giving him the crap. Well, but good luck right. to him. I hope, you, I hope you proved me wrong. I want him to prove me wrong. I want to be wrong. I usually am anyway, so he's got a good chance. The Bears, <laughs> the Bears hate in the chat is making me laugh, I have to say. If you wonder why I'm laughing, it's it's the Bears hate in the chat. Loving it. It is great. I'm loving it. Why do they call him Justin when his name is Bustin Fields? I love it. Bustin. <laughs> I love it. Um, Hank, Hank Fraley, Ashley says, is a great O-line coach. I won't stand for this slander. Do you mean Frank Haley or Hank Fraley? Not sure. Uh, the alter ego is out and waiting. Um, Frog Crop has just said, Barnes is going to raise some cow- hell. Can't wait. He is the dog. I uh, agree. We are getting to linebackers shortly. Let's move on to the defense and the defensive line. Starters, according to Lineswire, are Aline McNeil, Noah's, Michael Brockers, and Nick Williams at DT. Reserves are Kevin Strong, Levi Onsari, and backup nose is John Penasini. In terms of the practice squad on the defensive line, uh, I'm going to read that down, and there is no one. No D-line help on the practice squad, but this is an, an uber-deep squad, right? Probably our deepest position group. Boys, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's good that um, you know Nick Williams has obviously listened to our criticism and raised his game, so fair play to him for getting on the roster. ROTL boosted Nick Williams. And by boosted, I don't mean we got him out of a sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, moving on to outside linebacker slash edge starters, Trey Flowers and Romeo Aquara reserves, Charles Harris, Julian Aquara, Austin Bryant, and on the, uh, the practice squad, we have Jesse Lemonnier from the Chargers. Um, any surprise that they took five? I'm surprised they took five. I really thought it would be a choice between Harris and Bryant, and they took both. I think fair play to Bryant. I think Bryant's been one of the guys in the camp who's delivered. They've obviously, like, I would imagine that Bryant's been in the last chance saloon going into this practice. And from what we've read, he's done nothing but deliver in practice and has won them over. So, you know, good going. Uh, Ashley's very helpfully pointed out that actually Bruce Hector is on the practice squad. He said Miles Brown is as well, but I'm not sure that's right. Um, yeah, Miles Brown was released on Thursday. I don't see Hector on there, but I'm sure you're right. There he is, Bruce Hector. You're absolutely right. So my bad. Hector had an amazing preseason. I really thought he was going to make it. So, but yeah, you were you were saying about Brian Austin Bryan has really picked up from a position where it looked like he was pretty sure to be cut. He's made it. He's one of these guys where if you're looking at these guys have made it on merit, he absolutely deserves it. Now, can he stay healthy is his biggest question, isn't it? Much like other players on the roster we might mention in Sean Hand, who's gone to IR, who I didn't mention once again. Uh, Any surprise he stuck around? I think he's. I think he's a talented boy, and I think we're on the last pod we were talking about Deshaun Hand, and I said I, I want to keep him. You know, I think I, I know that we we maybe need to not be too um, patient with some of these guys that have just time and time again been unreliable. But I think Hand's so talented, 
Um, if we are going to keep one of one of these guys with injury problems, he's the one to keep. Uh, we've yeah. also got Jay Sean Cornell as well, of course, who is suspended until week four, I think, and then we have to make a decision. Yeah, I think he's definitely out the first three. All right, let's move it on to the off-ball linebackers, the inside linebackers. We have starters. And I know this will anger some people, especially some of the Luke G's stands. The starters, according to Lineswire, are Jamie Collins and Alex Anzalone. Well, hey. Uh, the reserves listed first is Derek Barnes, and I suspect we'll see him in the rotation quite a lot. And then Jalen Reeves-Mabin and Anthony Pittman on the, uh, the practice squad. Do we have any linebackers? We have Tavontae Beckett on the practice squad. I'm really glad he's caught on, actually. Any thoughts on that linebacker crew? Derek Barnes is obviously the, the big name there, but Anthony Pittman made it, and that's great. Good to see the young players coming through. And, you know, I'm glad Beckett made it, glad Pittman made it. Um, you know, Reeves Mabin must have been by the skin of his teeth. That guy must be balling out on special teams. Because we did see very little from him in, in the in the games, but um, no, I'm glad that I'm glad that the younger guys have made made it, and I think Barnes is going to be an absolute animal when he gets on that field, and I cannot wait. Martin Ryan, any thoughts? I know that um, it was an article a few weeks ago. I think I'm not sure whether it was on uh, on the Lions website actually, but it was. Um, it was with Jamie Collins talking about the competition in that in that field and and how that kept everybody on their toes and yeah it's going to be an interesting year there I think and I, I agree with uh, Steve I think Barnes is going to be a real a real one to watch this season and I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully on Sunday as well. Just want to welcome Ash into the Discord server. Thank you for joining, man. We have got our discord up and running and the link is at the top of the youtube chat if you want to join us please do that right let's move it on to the next position group which is cornerbacks our starters according to lions wire are jeff akuda amani orawarie which is not a surprise and then aj parker officially listed as starter that is one of the most amazing incredible preseason runs i think i've seen a udfa has beaten out, well, Corn Elder and Nicole Robbie Coleman. I mean, never mind in terms of starters, he beat them out of the bloody team altogether. I mean, what an absolutely cracking few weeks he's had. He was getting burned on the outside early in preseason. In one week, we gave up three 40-yard passes, and he was responsible for two of them on the outside, kicking inside, and he looks like an absolute world beater for a couple of weeks. Now, does that replicate into the regular season? I mean, he's a UDFA for a reason, so let's keep our expectations low. But what a story. What a story. Yeah, it was really interesting when um, when we were doing the Jason Bell interview and he was talking about those guys on the bubble and he was saying, you know, if there is a rookie and a veteran and if the rookie gets to anywhere approaching the veteran level, they will cut the veteran and go with the rookie because, you know, that's where the potential is. That's where the ceiling gets higher. Um, and obviously, you're probably making salary cap savings as well. So, you know, you look at the Lions roster, we've got the youngest roster in the NFL. And I think, you know, stories like AJ Parker very much um, back up the philosophy that this is going to be a project and this is going to might take a couple of seasons, but that's where we're going. I don't know whether you caught him 
in the final preseason game against the Steelers, but he repped against the ones. Steelers ran with their first team, and he allowed five of seven completions for 15 yards. Five completions at three yards a catch, including really comp- one of the um, ones that he actually stopped was a pass breakup where he took out the legs in the air of the the receiver in a really good play. Like just. I don't know what more you can ask of this guy. I mean, to go up against that Steelers team where Big Ben looked like he was throwing really, really well. Like, that looks like Big Ben getting back to his old sort of form. And that receiving group of Deontay and Juju and whatever, and he he looked like he belonged. I, I could not be more happy with Parker. Big Ben looked like he'd been on the Slim Fast all summer. <laughs> where Where's everybody with a Cuda at the moment? My expectations are actually pretty high. I'm not going to lie. Like, I know that he had a really tough year, and then he came out in this preseason and said, I don't really know any more than I did last year, which is just shocking to me. Having said that, he's a really smart guy. He was taken three for a reason. He was the consensus number three overall pick, which people forget. Like, there was not there, there were a couple of other people in the conversation, but not seriously. Like every major pickster out there picked Kakuda at three because that was the right pick to make. Now, regardless of how it works out. But he was number three because he is that good and he's got to show it. And he's looking a lot more confident. He can give up the odd big play. He needs to weed that out. But I, I think he can do it. I think he can do it this season. You can't cover you can't be in the NFL covering number one wide receivers with an uh, you know an unresolved groin injury that you've has been carried over from co- college and they've never you know got it sorted out you can see around the, the league there's there's several rookies that are like having surgery at the moment and are going to miss the first few games for a few teams and you kind of wonder whether we've like mismanaged his injury situation because you you know a cornerback with a groin injury when you think about the kind of explosiveness this off the line that these guys need to have, it's never going to happen. And, you know, he he looked wrong all season. He just didn't look right. And I think we only found out about the kind of groin injury like halfway through the season. So for me, this is like his first, we, we should just scrap last year. This is his rookie season. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. And I think you saw, it was into the Aubrey Pleasant in the preseason. I don't know if anyone caught it. We're talking about Cuda and how he was being asked at Ohio State just to concentrate on, on one one tackle each time, one, not having the perceptual awareness around him, which we've seen him be caught out with a couple of times, including against the Steelers, I think, preseason. So I think he's, you know, like you said, Matt, he's got, he's got that potential there. And I think you know, giving the playing around, playing with players with a lot of lost confidence last year as well, and a team that was, you know, lost its head coach partway through the year. I think as a rookie and as a high pressure rookie, I think you've got to take some of that into account. I agree with Steve. I think this has to be treated as the rookie year this year. Yeah, and I think he's got love now. I mean, you know, you get some people in all walks of life that some people need, like you know can be shouted at and they'll you'll get a response from some people need um you know an arm around them and they'll perform better but also this you know the, the kid was you know pretty much left on his own last year it seems so and like you say the groin injury which was probably maybe affected him all season long and someone like Patricia probably expected him to grind it out you know and stuff like that 
you know, just maybe too much was expected of him in a way uh, last year. So I agree. I think that you've got to look at Akuda and judge him more fairly on a full season when he's hopefully fully fit. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, we have a few other people saying hello, Jimbo G. How you doing, man? Um, a couple of others where I missed one. Um, Anna May as well. Thank you for joining us, everyone. I didn't actually finish up on the cornerback room, so the reserves are third round corner Ifatu Melafonwu, Jerry Jacobs, and converted safety Bobby Price. We've also got Nicole Robbie Coleman on the practice squad, as well as Parnell Motley from the Broncos. There is this conventional kind of group thick wisdom out there that. Um, so from week two, you can sign vets to the active roster and their salary is not fully guaranteed. You sign in week one or before, their salary is fully guaranteed. So Nick, Nicole Robbie Coleman on the practice squad will get elevated for week one in that, that kind of two vets that you can elevate every single time. But you can only have two elevations in a year. It's elevated for week one, signed to the active roster in week two, and his salary isn't guaranteed. So that has been hashed and rehashed again and again. Um, I can see the logic. I don't really want it to happen. Nick at Rolby Coleman showed me nothing in the preseason to suggest he's up to it. And we've got Ifati Malafonwu and Jerry Jacobs. And, you know, if we're really going to run with the youngsters, let's run with the youngsters. Just keep Roby Coleman on the practice squad. Yeah. Mess- message to free agents all around the NFL. Don't come to Detroit bringing nothing to the party. Come and bring some skills. Show us something. Show, you know, be productive. Don't just turn up. You're not going to get signed onto a Dan Campbell's roster. Yeah, and I think with Brad Holmes there as well, obviously he would have known um, Roby, um, you know, well. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, don't come there expecting it to be a free lunch anymore. You're going to have to earn your keep in Detroit now, I think. Never mind that. If you ball out, you will stay on. Guaranteed. I think the only guy who's played super well and deserves to be on the roster and hasn't made it is Bruce Hector, the DT. And it's only because DT is our, our deepest room out there. You can make an argument for Craig Reynolds at running back, but we already probably kept one more than we need in Godwin. So, you know, he's unlucky that that's also another deep room. But you play well here, you would get a roster spot. I think a year on the practice squad with Juice Staley and Reynolds could be something next season. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Did I mispronounce Craig Reynolds? Michael's just said Craig Reynolds, Matthew. I don't know. <laughs> I might have missaid it. My bad. Um, right. Let's move on to, I think, the final final group of players in the safety rooms. We've got specialists as well, I guess. Safety is starting. Tracy Walker and Will Harris reserves. Dean Marlowe and CJ Moore. And do we have any on the practice squad? Jalen Elliott made it onto the practice squad, which is good stuff. So uh, it was rumoured we might take three, we might take five, end up with four. Uh, Marlowe, obviously, released, along with um, our tight end two, who's... God, my, my memory is absolutely terrible. Darren Fells also got released, got re-signed, got re-signed. a bit of jiggery pokery on the roster. Um, what do we reckon? Is is Will Harris really good enough to be the, the starter in this group? I can't even believe I'm asking that question. He's going to have to be. That's the answer. He's going to have to be because there's no one else. Ryan, come on. I know you're itching to say something about Will Harris. <laughs> no, I mean, it's going to be... Um... You know, we'll find out very quickly, I think. You know, I don't, I don't think he's up to it personally, but, you know, that's my 
personal opinion on it, but I do want to say a special mention because, uh, you know, sad to see the, the Don go, uh, Don Malbec go, obviously, after so many years, but um, good luck to him in his retirement. Anyway, I'm sure you're listening, Don. Yeah, uh, I miss Don already. I, I don't, let's come on specialists now. We have Hunter Jackbox, kicker, just received on waivers, Austin Siebert from the Bengals. And then the long snapper, Scott Daly, who I think is going to need a year or two to bed in. But, you know, if he's, if we're not worrying about the wins and losses, just playing well, then, you know, maybe I can buy that. The starting punt and kick returner, according to Lions White, is Khalif Raymond. And kick returner two is Godwin Igwood, UK. Um, I did love the, um, the Twitter bit. I mean, it was on Twitter of uh, Jack Fox obviously getting asked, could he possibly be... Uh... <laughs> the kicker and uh, answering with a series of videos where demonstrating why he wasn't going to be the kicker. <laughs> Probably one of my favourite videos of all time. Yeah. Like, you, you watch the next one, even though it's slightly further away, surely it can't be wide right again. Come <laughs> yeah. on, hit it, hit it left, for God's sake. <laughs> he just looks so young as well, just looks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, okay, that was our Roster breakdown, the 53-man squad. In fact, I forgot Zane Gonzalez reverted to the practice squad as well. So if Austin Siebert doesn't quite cut the mustard, we can elevate Zane Gonzalez, who obviously has a lot more uh, in-season experience than Austin. Um, he's got a hell of a leg from distance, but watch out when he gets close <laughs> to the sticks. I, I don't think anyone wanted a year of watching Randy Bullock. So, you know, let's see no. what this, this boy can do. I just I lost all respect for Randy Bullock when he missed that field goal and then pulled up injured with like a torn hamstring or something. It's like you just kick a ball. That's all you do, mate. Come on, lad. Like, please. <laughs> Don't feign in like Red Zone were taking the piss out of him mercilessly. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> right. We are gonna move it on to our next segment, which is to do with the regular season twenty twenty one. So we're kicking off so this we've got the hard part out of the way. We've got the easy bit to go now. Right. <laughs> I hope that the people in the chat will appreciate the wide range of views you are about to hear. We are not a homogenous group of people. I am missing my Kool-Aid chugging uh, friends, co-host in Ant, who unfortunately is working at the moment. I need him for backup and he's, he's let me down. But I am your resident Kool-Aid chugger. I would class Steve... As your man in the middle, fence sitter, uh, oh. and just Martin. keeping it real, keeping it real <laughs> in the middle, barely, barely, <laughs> and one cheek on one side. <laughs> Martin and Ryan are your resident realists. Shall we say? Is that pessimist. fair? I'm definitely pleased you didn't use the word pessimist. I'm glad I can't sure. see the chat saying like you know the chat the chat on the on the. Uh, YouTube or whatever. I'm glad I can't see that one. Yeah, I think we'll avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I, I think that the chat, who I think mainly have come to us through Luke G, and I have to shout out Luke G again. Thank you very much for bringing us onto your show and coming onto our show and, and introducing us to this lovely range of people. But they are fairly accepting of the wide range of views. There's a lot of people there who are not as Kool-Aid chucking as, as others. So... I wouldn't worry too much about them. They're a good group of people. And we need to get you on there as well, Ryan and mine, on, on Luke G's show, because I think you'd absolutely love it. I think you would really, really 
finds him a funny guy. Um, right, let's break it down. So week one, San Francisco. We are going to talk more about this game on Thursday in our first Thursday show of the season. So we're going to break that down later. But let's very briefly talk about this game as I reveal the picks, if I can. Oh, I can't change a color. There we go. So, myself and, and Ryan McCluskey, also absent, have called for a win. Steve, Ryan, Tom, and Martin for a loss. Three and four, the records fairly evenly split. Ryan and Martin and Steve. Why do you hate the Lions? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, you look to take that one. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, the 49ers, Shanahan, you know, he, we're not playing like a mug team in week one. Like Shanahan will have come up with a few schemes and he will know exactly how to play us. And I think it's not that I'm down on the lines. I think we're going to like take a big loss in the first game. I just think it's too early. I think a lot of the work that, you know, um, AG and Anthony Lynn are doing, it's just, they're just not quite going to be clicking. And I think to beat the 49ers, you're going to, you know, they've got a good wide receiver core. They've got a good running backs, most dirt. The defence could be nasty. Yeah, the secondary is definitely, like the secondary of the 49ers is definitely their weak area. But is our receiver room going to be clicking? So I just, I just think we're going to take a narrow loss. I certainly don't think we're going to embarrass ourselves. As in the New York, uh, the New York Jets in Patricia's first game, which, you know, we can all still feel the, the pain of that one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game, but the 49ers are going to show it. Yeah. I mean, I think... One at a time. Go on. Martin, go. Oh, OK. Well, I think the 49ers are uh, probably a wildcard team. I've got the most uh, wildcard team for uh, the playoffs for me. I think... <sighs> It's difficult, isn't it? Because part of me really wants to say no fans in the field for a year. First game with a new head coach, everybody fired up, home win. But the realist in me says this is a really, really tough opener. I think, you know, you come up with the 49ers offense is, is really, really strong. I think we, we don't really know. We're preparing to play two different quarterbacks. We, we don't really know who that's going to be, um, unless I've missed something in the last since I wrote this. Um, so I really do think this is this is a really difficult opening game. And I think you know, with we've got a new head coach and new quarterback, still trying to find our feet to turn over the 49ers would be a big ask. If this was last year's opener against the Bears, I'd be much more confident. Um, but it's just um, for me, it's the it's the Look at the draw on this one means it's, a, it's too tough of a game to see us winning on the opening day. Yeah. I mean, if it for me, it's basically what the two boys have covered there. It's there's nothing really to add. It's if we were starting the season against the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, we'd all be going for a Detroit Lions win there. I mean, because that's a great game to get started with. The fact is, you've got the 49ers fully fit, they've had problems on injury for quite some time, but now they're a fully fit squad and uh. You know, you just don't know what to prepare for. Is it going? To, I reckon that they're going to use both quarterbacks at some point during the game. I mean, Lance will come in and play a part. There's no doubt about that. And you know, obviously, you've got the mobility. They've got great run games. They just 
pull your defence all over the place. So it's going to be such a tough game. It's just technically it's, it, it's, it's like a nightmare game in a way to start if you look at our schedule. But, you know, fingers crossed, strange things have happened. So, you know, I really hope that, you know, the fourth field will be rocking. I know that for a fact. I think we all do. And um, please, God, we can get the W. But um, it's just a tough game. And, and they're a better team at the end of the day. So, you know, you'd have to, you know, go with them if, if, if you're putting money on it, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, I think that, um, that Lance isn't going to be playing because I think he's got this hand injury where he followed through into someone's helmet and he's, I think he's chipped his finger. So I don't think we're going to see Lance. And actually, I think that's in the advantage of the 49ers because I think you'd if they'd have put Lance into the uh, that game against, as Martin said, Ford f- Field, the crowd massively up, noise would be deafening. And I think Lance would have made a couple of mistakes Whereas I think Jimmy G, you know, he's a bit more of an older head, a bit calmer. Uh, they probably won't try anything too ambitious. And I think that'll probably suit the 49ers. Yeah, not to talk too much about the 49ers, but I mean, um, have you seen how hard he throws the ball, Lance, all the time? Um, the one thing I'd be worried about if I was there kind of, um, a fan of like the 49ers, which thank God I'm not, but he just seems to just smash it in there all the time. You just don't see any real touch or delicacy with him. And I mean, I hope that he chipped his phone on his finger on someone's helmet in a game and not somewhere else. A couple of uh, messages in chat. Ken Stauder says that it's going to be a San Francisco win. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, Rock Howard says Lions win week one. Book it. Um, thank you as well for joining us. I'm going to give you the other side of it and and why the Lions win. And it's really because this San Francisco team has kind of has got some big names. And if you have a look at the overall quality, yeah, they probably are better than the Lions. But they have a lot of guys who kind of threaten to be good and yet haven't really converted it. Um, uh, Eric Armstead, I think his name is, or Eric Armstead, whatever his name is, has, has kind of had one good season and has fallen away. D Ford has had one good season in his career and has kind of made a, a name for himself in that one year, but has actually not been good before or after that year. There are several other guys who have kind of just had one good season. Now they've got some game-breaking players at tight end, fullback, uh, mid-linebacker. Um, you know, and, and you can't shy away from that, but every team has superstars. Even the Lions have one or two. Um, not many. But I just think this is one of those teams where I think we can get our run game going. I think that Goff is potentially a better quarterback than Jimmy G. I don't know. It's debatable. It's close. Um, I think Jimmy Jimmy G could easily get injured in this game. I mean, you you never know what's going to happen with this. But I do think that the Lions are going to come in full of beans, desperate to prove a point. And I think we can shade it. I, I don't see any reason why... San Francisco pose a huge threat if we can shut down one man in in Kittle. That's it. Double team him, and I think we find. I don't see any threat from their wide receivers whatsoever. Samuel is meh, and Ayuk is meh. Like, <laughs> like they're okay. That's fine. They might they might make the Lions roster, but do you know do you know my major issue with with the, the Lions this year is I, I see scoring points as an issue. And I see, you know, I think with that wide receiving room, I really do think that's where we're going to fall down. I think I, I do see the defense improving as the year goes on. Absolutely do. But I just can't see scoring enough points. 
could be true. Right, we'll talk more about San Francisco on Thursday. So join us then. Luke G says he needs to be a part of this conversation. You can join us on Thursday if you want. You can be there. Right, week two at the Green Bay Packers. And our survey says 0-7. Not one of us thinks we're going to beat the Packers in Green Bay. And I mean, they're the only team that we've beaten in division, right, in the last four years, three years? And we've beaten the twice, Bears, including oh, the Bears. Beg your pardon. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, what time Thursday? Uh, 3 p.m. ET, Luke. Or uh, we maybe push it later for you if we need to, but we'll see what happens. Uh, send me a DM on on um, tw uh, not Twitch, Discord, and we'll talk about it. Um, so Green Bay, is there any chance at all? Not for me. I, I think... The, the idea of Rodgers up against um, our secondary is enough to keep me awake at night. So for me, I, I find this, I think in terms of you, you take these as a package of games, if you look at the first three, I think we'd be very hard pushed to find three tougher opening games because you've got, well, I won't get onto the Ravens yet, but I just think, you know, you've got Monday night, Lambo first game at home for them for 12 months. Yeah, it's a real tough ask, that. So you're saying you really feel fear, uh, fear Randall Cobb. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I really fear uh, that game in particular. On the schedule, if you look at the schedule as a whole, I think this is potentially the toughest game we've got. Yeah. I don't I disagree mean, with we that. Just, just don't get any luck there. We don't get any luck there. We never have. We never seem to ever will. So, um, you know, we always play against the referees there as well. So, um, never, never easy. Yeah, one of the toughest places at the end of the day to go to uh, in the NFL for any team. And, um, you know, if you look at their regular season wins under uh, Matt Lafleur over the last few years, they don't lose many games. And they should win our division, I think. You know, so that's that's basically it. You know, it's just a brutal game, brutal start to the season, especially on Monday night in prime time. Okay, let let me give you another side to it. They lost the best centre in the league, debatably the best centre in the league, uh, who who's gone elsewhere. Their number one in the league left tackle is injured. That those are big holes to fill. And who goes up against David Bankciari on the left? left tackle position. It's Romeo Aquara, 10 sack Romeo Aquara, 10 sack Romeo Aquara, who did not get any help from anyone else on that defensive line. Suddenly, our defensive line is our strongest group who are going to, you know, take up some blockers and you've got Romeo going up against a backup left tackle. Most important position in football apart from quarterback. I'm not you saying know, we're going to win. I didn't pick us to win, but I'm saying there's a chance. I think that... that I think if you look at the Packers, they're not as strong as they were last year. I think I think we would all probably agree that. I don't see them making a run in the playoffs, but nor are we. Um, so, you know, and that, that's my difficulty with this one. I just think, like Ryan said, we get fuck all up there every time. Every time we go there, Monday night under the lights, it's a real big ask. And Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, regardless of what else uh, happens. So. Yeah, I, th I think the thing with this game for me is, I mean, the Packers were one Kevin King fuck up away from the Super Bowl 
Um, and, you know, yeah, Bakhtiar is out, but they'll move probably Elton Jenkins across to play him at left tackle, and he's pretty decent. For me, the Packers are pretty much unchanged from that team that almost got to the Super Bowl. There's not really, you know, Bakhtiari, you know, notwithstanding, they're pretty much the same team. And they're going to be going, as you know, as Ryan said, Lambeau, first game, they're going to be absolutely at us. And I just think that that atmosphere there um, and the fact that the Packers are so experienced, they've all been playing together so long. When you think about the kind of upheaval in our roster, um, you know, this is a Packers team that's been playing together for two or three seasons. They know this playbook like the back of their hand. Rogers, unfortunately, I mean, I would absolutely love Rogers to get absolutely terrorised by Aquara and Flowers and Levi and McNeil. I would just like them to absolutely terrorise him, but I just can't see it. Maybe later in the season, um, but not not the game two. I don't know. Sorry, I, no, no. I mean, perfectly entitled to your opinion. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just trying to present the other side of it. When we have five men on the line up front and only two linebackers, they've got to go one-on-one. They're five against our five. There's no double teaming going on unless they want to lose a receiver at tight end, stick him in as a blocker and not as a receiver. Then they can get some double teaming. So you're leaving Levi, Romeo, Aleem, Flowers, and then Brockers or, or Nick Williams. All one-on-one. And these are all guys who are famed for their ability to, one, win in pass rush, and two, they're all much better in run defense than we have been in previous years. I don't think in the last season and a half or so it's been Rodgers necessarily beating us, but it's been Aaron Jones beating us. And our run defense is probably going to be a lot better. I do not expect Jones to beat us. Now, you can't account for Rodgers beating you because he's one of the best in the league. He was MVP, and deservedly so. And I hate that, but... There was no other choice. He was excellent last year. So Roger speaks to you then fine. But I do think that we will stop the reason why we lost last year. That's all I'm saying. I, I agree with Martin. Where are our points coming from? That that's the big problem. And 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 if you remember that the game last year, Marvin Jones had that catch that was absolutely a completion oh. that didn't get reviewed, which was <laughs> utter bullshit. So and that really swung that game. Because we were we were in that game until that like, kind of incident, so it's going to be close. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's going to be closer than last season, and I don't think we're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. I think the year before we should have won there as well. Yeah, we should have done. They always, they always go. They always go with for full heart. They're they they you know they're not really intimidating when they go up there. So they always do give us you know something and show us something. But it's just um, it's just such a hard place to play. You know, it really is and. You know, you just don't get luck there. No one does. You know, very rarely do you see them get uh, get fucked on their own ground. Yeah. Right, let's move this on because we've spent enough time in the first two weeks. So I'm going to move this swiftly on. Week three, at home against Baltimore. 0-7 as well. Not the best start, as Martin said, to the season. Uh, ask same question. Any chance against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson? You know what? I've got this as the most winnable of the three um, because I think... You know, the Ravens like to run the ball, don't they? And you, you'd say that our D-line is much improved. I think if we can... Their passing game was garbage last year. It's what really... Well, I wouldn't say as far as garbage, but was was a weak point for them last year. So I think if 
if we can keep our best chance of winning games this year is keeping them low scoring. And I think if our D-line can handle their, you know, their run game well enough to keep the score down, then we've got a chance. But it does come back to what I said before. Where are we going to get the points, you know, against a decent defence to, you know, to, to beat them? That That's my issue. But it's the most winnable of the three for me. I know that sounds insane, but... No, I completely agree with that. I think you've got it spot on. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, my big issue is, you know, probably the most mobile quarterback in the league against our linebacker and safety group just scares me. And and that's where I think they'll get just enough points to win. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm right on this fact. I think that they, you're 100 right. They're 32nd ranked uh, passing team last year, Baltimore. But they do run the ball and they do run it really well. So, you know, it, it could be, you know, definitely I agree. I think out of the three, we've got a good shot here. But um, it's going to be tough. You know, if like Lamar Jackson's on fire that day, then he's hard to stop by the best anyway. So, just fingers crossed there's a good chance of this one. My, my fear about the Baltimore game is that one of their weaknesses was Patrick Queen last year, their first round draft pick from 2020. And apparently he's looked a lot better this season. You know, 2020 rookie who just struggled with that preseason and he's had a full off season this time round looks much better. And, you know, alongside people like Marlon Humphreys, who's one of the best corners in the league, this is, for me, a really tough game. I would say that it's probably the one I'm least confident of. I think this is harder than the Packers win. But we'll see. I just don't think we'll have an answer for Lamar. I don't. I've, I've seen lot, it before. I'm a lot more worried about Devontae Adams than I am about Marquise Brown. He's yeah. in my fantasy, so leave him alone. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't want to score points that week. You might, I might sit in that week. Yeah, do, do you want to make your pick, Ryan? Because you've been on the clock for now, now. I'm on the Jeez, Jesus Christ! Right, let's move this on. <laughs> week four, and if my spreadsheet's going to be right. Week four, the Bears. We have, and Ryan McCluskey's going to die. We have three wins, three losses, and a tie. Why do we why have did, a tie? Why? 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 Did we pick a tie? McCluskey. He is recovering. Yeah, he's re- he's recovering after going to a, f- a festival, and I hope his hangover is bad. So I'm saying. <laughs> Fucking tie, right? Um, Steve, you pick to win. You go first. Um. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, uh, this is the writer for NFL Scotland for the NFC North. So your expert opinion on the Bears. Yeah, I, I think that this is by far the most winnable game in, in the first sort of five or six for us because I think the Bears are utter shit. Um, I think they've not really improved their roster. They went all in on Fields and Jenkins. But, you know, then after getting Jenkins and solving the problem, they cut Charles Leno, who effectively Jenkins was replacing and then Jenkins is out for the year with back surgery. So the, Benz, the, the, the Bears' offensive line is, is just so bad. Um, they can't protect the quarterback. Other than Allison, Allen um, Robinson, I think Darnell Moon has still got a lot to prove. Um, I just don't see them as an offensive threat. Um, yeah, their defence are pretty good, but their defence are also ageing. And their secondary, you know, Again, they've lost some key players. So I, I just think the Bears are imminently beatable. And the key thing for me is that the whole Dalton or Fields thing, because I think that 
Depends what happens in the first three games. If Dalton does just enough to keep his starting spot, I think we'll we'll beat them. I think if Fields starts, like maybe maybe in week three, Dalton blows up and this is Fields' first game, I, th- I think then we'll beat them. I think if Dalton has a terrible week one and they put Fields in in week two and Fields has started to settle in a bit, that could be a little bit more dangerous, but... We'll see. I mean, Matt Nagy just is trying to protect his own job by saying that Fields is a project. Fields is a, a starter now, but what he doesn't want to do is put Fields in and watch him blow up because then if he does blow up, there's no reason to keep him as head coach. So he's trying to play that Fields is a project. He needs a couple of years. He's just trying to save his own job. The guy's spineless. They need to get him the fuck out and get a decent coach in. Because Nagy is utter bullshit. But hey, let's keep him there because we like a, a shit Bears team. Ryan, Martin, why are we losing? Um, well, firstly, I mean, like, I completely agree. He, they are definitely, they feel that they're safe there for one more season, I think, with Fields being there in reserve. So I completely not agree with that. I mean, um, I think that when you look at the start to their season, they start obviously against Stafford, which will be an interesting one. For, I'm sure we'll all be watching that um, on Monday. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll lose that. Then they, the problem is they'll probably be going in, they'll be going in probably with uh, two defeats on, on the record, I would have thought. So, you know, they should probably beat the Bengals in week two. But I just think that, you know, they're probably, I don't know. I don't know why we can easily win it, but it's just, I, I have no real major reason why, just more like gut feeling. I think we'll just come up a little short there. That's all. For me, it's a swing game, this one, isn't it? I think if we're going to have a, a decent season, this has to be a win. But I think, you know, I, I know that the, the Bears defence isn't what it was a couple of years ago, but I think it is still pretty strong. And it comes back to that, you know, preventing us from scoring. I think it'd be another tight game, but I do see it probably going the way of the Bears. I think I, I know um, Steve mentioned Mooney. I I picked Mooney in my fantasy. I'm a bit of a, a, a sleeper pick later on. I think he potentially is, is um, a decent offer there, uh, probably the wide receiver three. But um, you know, we talk about Dalton. I think Dalton had a decent end of the season at Dallas as well. So even if he does start, I think he ended the last season fairly well with the Cowboys. So. I don't know. It's interesting to see Fields, I think, at some point, because there was a lot of discussion over, you know, we, we obviously took Sewell instead of Fields and how that was going how that's going to play out. I hope it plays out disastrously for the Bears, obviously. But yeah, it, it's for me, it's a toss-up of a game, but I think I am leaning towards it. If I'm, if I'm being realistic, I do see this as another defeat, unfortunately, but it could easily be the other way. If we get off with a win here, I mean, if we turn the Ravens over and then lose this one, you'd be incredibly disappointed, wouldn't you? But no, it's a it's a loss for me, unfortunately. Dalton okay, at yeah, his best that. is six out of ten. That's peak Dalton. You yeah, maybe yeah, six yeah. and a half. That's the thing. And 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 I think that we we will frighten him. We'll put some pressure on him. And Dalton's just absolutely melts under pressure. I mean, we we've had issues with shit Bears quarterbacks the last couple of years, where we've not been able to beat them with. You know, Trubisky and, and Co. So I, I don't know. It's just, it, it, like I say, go either way. This one, I'll, I'll be honest. With you, I think that this is going to be probably one of the reasons why I think they might be come up. We might just come up short there. Is I think that with uh, I think that 
he will have a rough start to the season, Dalton. We all know what the Bears fans are like and what they seem to think that they've got in fields. Um, and I think that this will be his first start against the Lions. So I think that, you know, we'll be facing Dalton, uh, sorry, we'll be facing fields that week and not, not Dalton personally. I just want to say a couple of things. Christian Jones is listed as a starter on this team. That's number one. I'll just leave that there and just leave that hanging for just a moment. Because that's how bad the Bears are. They are going to hang on whether Jalon Johnson and Roquan Smith can play. Because if those two play well, Hicks and Mack and those two will be enough on defense to give us problems. That O-line is horrific. I mean, that is one of the worst O-lines in the NFL. And whatever quarterback is going to be playing for the Bears, they're going to really struggle. Especially when their only legit wide receiver is Alan Robinson. Darnell Mooney is fine. And Marquis Goodwin is fine. And Brashard Perriman is not fine. <laughs> is not fine. But, you know, so they, they are the masters of taking our off cuts and, you know, making them a part of their team. Good luck to them. But here's my hot take. The Bears go 0-4 and the whole team is... Not team, the whole front office is sacked. They're gone by week four. They lose against the Bears. They lose against the Bengals at home. They lose away against the Browns. They lose, sorry, away against the Browns? No, Browns. Uh, yeah, they, they play the Rams first week one. Yeah. So lose against the Rams, Bengals, the Browns, and then the Lions. And I think that this ownership probably wanted to fire him in the offseason. Decided against it that we'd give him one more year. And I don't think they're going to be bought off by this field as a project lark. I think that the, the Bears' ownership are going to say, no, you will be judged on this season. And if you decide not to play Fields, that's on you, but your neck is still on the line. And if they go 0-4 and lose to the Lions <laughs> at home in week four, they're gone. Nagy's sacked. I think the problem is they've got the Bengals and the Raiders two of their first five games. And I think they'll, they could probably just about beat the Bengals and the Raiders. I, I, I just think... And that's why I think he's, he's, he's going to try and play Dalton for as long as possible because I think he will he will be trying to kind of play out that, you know, he, he needs time for Fields to bed in and maybe start bringing Fields in in like the third quarter. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're there for the taking. They're absolutely there for the taking. Let's not forget, we beat them twice last season. Well, we would have done if Swift had caught that pass, not dropped that pass. But, you know, effectively, we kind of had them twice. And we were shit last season. So, yeah, we, we've definitely improved more than they have in the off-season. I think that there's a less lesson to be learned from the 2020 Detroit Lions, which is when you know that your coaching staff are not up to it, it doesn't matter what excuses you put in front of them, just fire them. And Nagy is basically at that point. I just think if he has a bad start to the season, I don't think that Fields is enough to save him. A more competent coaching staff will still have Justin Fields. Like he's still going to be here. Like Fields doesn't go away if you sack Mackie. Just hire someone on the basis of I can do something with Justin Fields, and that's instantly better than Matt Nagy. So they should fire him. They should do it now. If he's going to get fired, he's going to get fired in November because he's playing in a row: the Packers, the Bucks, the 49ers, the Steelers, and the Ravens. And and that's five and that's zero and five for the Bears. It's not the best. 
Right, let's move it on because we are spending time and it's partly my fault, but I don't care. We're moving to week five and it's our third away in the Vision game in week five at the Minnesota Vikings and another 0-7 here. What what makes us so much worse than the Vikings, boys? Let's go for Ryan. Well, I've got to be honest with you. Part of me, I've been thinking, I don't know why I've been thinking about the Vikings the last few days. And I think that going into the start of this season, there's probably, you know, there's a few teams that just are giving off a bad kind of vibe or a bad kind of odour about them. And I think the Vikings are one of them. I think that there's serious issues there. Um, you know, the Kirk Cousin uh, situation doesn't seem to be like there's a, it's a happy camp for anyone there. And I think if it wasn't for that horrendous contract, he his artists would have been out. They would have cut, cut him easy. Um, so, yeah, this is one where I kind of... Do you know what? I mean, like, I, could, I could definitely see us going there and winning. We have got a decent record there. Uh, and like I said, we always put up a fight there. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not quite sure, really, why I gave it a loss. I'm not quite sure. To be honest. Just you know, and when, when we just discussed the Brown at the Bears game there, I'm thinking, you know what? We could we could definitely easily win that. You know, we, we beat them last year at their gaff, and then we, we you know, we should have beaten them at home. So, yeah, there's definitely... Um, yeah, but um, no, um, yeah, we could win this game. I just think that there, there's something wrong in Minnesota and I think this will be the last year. No playoffs or no wild card at the very least. I think Zimmer will be out there and they'll, they'll go with, go afresh. I, I with Ryan on that one. I don't see the Vikings as a playoff team, but they've got some real good players on, on both sides of the ball. And if you think about, they underachieved last year for me, big time. And I think the loss of uh, Hunter for such a long period of time was a big factor in that. But their defence, I, I do like. Um, and I do think that they are, it comes back again to, to coming up against teams with strong defences, where we're going to score points. And that for me is why, again, I think this is just going to be a narrow loss, but a loss nonetheless. Steve? Yeah, I, I think this is a tough game. Um, you know, I think um, there's so so many advantages that the Vikings have got. If you think about that kind of like triple threat they've got, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook absolutely has shredded us for the last couple of seasons. Um you know, yeah, Cousins is a bit of a liability, but Cousins streaks and, and Cousins can throw, you know, a 400-yard game with three touchdowns just as easily as he can throw a game with three interceptions. You know, Cousins doesn't like pressure. Can we get to him? I, you know, that's the thing. He's got he's got Thielen, he's got Jefferson. You know, they can get open quickly. And, and I think against our secondary, they're going to kind of feast. The other thing is that the defence is going to be so much better. Um, they didn't have any pass rush last year. Daniel Hunter's better. Anthony Barr, I think, is one of my favourite players on, on their roster. And he tore his peck, I think, in week two and didn't play again. Um, you know, they've got Michael Pierce back. Um, Harrison Smith's still around. You know, the, they've just signed Patrick Patterson, uh, Patrick Peterson, sorry, um, who's a good, a good addition. So the defence is solid. And, and I just think a way... With that crowd in that in that sort of stadium, no, I don't. I, I don't think we're ready to take them yet. Maybe the second game of the season, but but not in week five. 
I think it's one of those really funny games, isn't it? Because Harrison Smith had the worst season in his last seven last season, and yet they gave him a record-breaking contract for a safety of his age in the last couple of weeks. Insane contract for a 33, 34-year-old. Um, Barr, obviously, coming back is a big thing. Pierce, Hunter, you listed them all already. That's a that's defense that should be better than the awful defense they were last year. But that O-line is, again, one of the worst in the league. And like you said, Cousins doesn't like pressure. So it comes down to, we'll get consistent pressure on Cousins. Can we bottle up Dalvin Cook? If we can do that, and I've already said our run D should be better, it gives us a chance. But I'm still picking it as a loss because I just think that when it comes down to it, they can score points. And like Martin has said, I think we are going to struggle scoring points. I don't think we can shut down Jefferson Thielen. If they're healthy, they're both kind of slightly banged up at the moment. I do think it's slightly heartening that um, Christian Darasaur is not working out just as much as Saul is not doing very well at the moment. He's been playing really, really badly. And uh, White Davis is not the starting guard either. Their third round picks. Their first and third round picks aren't on their starters at the moment. So the future's looking bright for us against Minnesota. Yeah, and, and Irv Smith is going to be a mess because they've obviously got rid of Rudolph to the Giants. And they were hoping that Irv Smith was going to step up. He had a really good um, end to last season in terms of pass catching. Um, and I think he's out, he's done for the season already with a, with an injury. So that's a big blow to them. But, so he scored yeah. two touchdowns against the Lions, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. game last season. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move it on to the Cincinnati Bengals at home. And our survey says six and one records. The one being Steve. What? Steve, what's going on? Explain Steve, yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, I, I still think the Bengals are, have got a decent team. I think Burrow is going to come back and do well. You know, I know that there's been all this stuff about Jamar Chase, but they've still got T Higgins. They've still got Tyler Boyd. Um, they've got Joe Mixon. The O-line has been you know, really pepped up. I think, haven't they taken Corey Lindsley from the, the Packers, I think? Uh, he went somewhere. Yeah, so, um, so you know, I, I, I think I think the Bengals are going to be much better. I still think they're going to come bottom of the AFC North, but that's an absolute bear pit of a division. Um, I, I think, you know, I think it's a winnable game, but I just, I, I just see them having just enough to beat us. Corey Lindsley is on the charges. I could definitely, um, I keep changing my mind on this one. I think I did go for a win in the end, but I think I agree to an extent there with Steve. I think if if the Bengals offense clicks, it's going to be a really difficult game for us, I think. And I think, you know, Steve mentioned those guys already, Chase and Higgins, etc. But Tate as well, I like. And I think he, you know, as a group, a wide receiver group, I think this could be a long afternoon for us. And I think it's going to be a really, it's another coin toss game for me. I'd call it a swing game on how it's going to go. Could easily go either way. Um, but I would worry if, you know, in, in the first five weeks of the Bengals offense looks good, then this could be a really, really difficult game for us. I could easily see it going the other way. That was me predicting a win and now talking myself into a lot oh, Don't get more <laughs> realistic. Don't do it. Ryan, what do you reckon? Uh, just think we'll beat them. That's it. 
<laughs> I just think we'll have enough, to be honest. Yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, Steve's, of course, he's right. I mean, you know, the players that they've got offensively, they're, they are an exciting team. I just don't know about this Burrow at the moment. I think there's something kind of, you know, I think he came out and saying that he didn't feel confident or he felt, you know, they, that he wasn't at 100%. So, you know, and that's a major injury. I mean, anyone in any sport who gets that is going to be severely affected. They haven't got a very good O-line. And uh, they do have, you know, just a top. Uh, I don't think they've got a great O line. They got a good. Uh, it's definitely got better, but it's not great. And um, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this chase comes along. But I think we'll just get there. I think you know, home Ford Field. Um, I think we'll be able to pull this one out. To be honest, yeah. I think it's one of those teams that that has a really, really wide spectrum of what they could do this year. I think their ceiling is really high, and their floor is really low. Because you just have no idea what they're going to do. The O-line has Jonah Williams, who's a first-rounder from a couple of years ago, who has been underwhelming but has the talent, if he can pull it out. And Riley Reef at right tackle, who's been a super solid tackle. Uh, at this level, this season, he'll be fine. Next year, don't know. But he'll be fine. That O-line in between those two could be fine. If they can keep Burrow upright, Mixon, Boyd, Higgins, Chase, Azuma is a pretty fearsome offense. I really like Azuma. He's a really underrated tight end. But Chase being your wide receiver three, it's not like he's your one. You don't have to worry about him being your one. Higgins is a perfectly fine number two, and Boyd's a perfectly fine number two. And between the two of them, that's fine. You know, you have to account for Chase with his speeds, with his physicality. He's going to attract the attention of a one without needing to be one. So it's hard. But I picked a win because I don't trust that defense. I think that at the end of the day, I do agree to the adage of defence, maybe not defence wins championships, defence gets you to the playoffs. And I just worry with this Bengals team that it's just not solid enough. That offence can do anything once. I think they're going to have to outscore a team, aren't they? I think that that's just going to have to be the way they're going to have to go about it this year. I think they're just going to have to score more points because, like you said, I don't think you can rely on the defence for them. Right, let's move on to the Rams. So Rams in LA. I know quite a few people are fancy going to this one. And we've gone 0 and 7. We can't win in so far. No? No chance against Stafford and the new team and the lack of coordinators and No, no chance. Anyone? All right, well, we'll move on. That's great. Uh, if anyone knows um Goff's game, it's Sean McVeigh, isn't it? And I think you know, it's a real difficult one for I, I I don't see any chance with this one. I can't even try and talk myself into anything. Ramsey, Donald. Oh, just ah. scary. And and you just know Stafford's going to come back and throw for 350 yards and three TDs. You just know it. Okay, I, I think I've got the Rams uh, against the championship game as well, to be fair. I'll, I'll give you the counterpoint. I'll give you the counterpoint. The Rams are a team that can't beat you over the top. They don't have a speeds to receiver. Stafford works really well with speeds to receivers over the top. That bullet of an arm, he's suited to an offense the Rams don't Rams don't currently have. At the moment, they are a touch-based offense, and that's not something that Stafford has been. You know, he can do touch, but it's not the thing he's most known for. Cannon of an arm, he has been described as. So this isn't an offense which plays to his strengths. They don't have a running back worth his salt, really. Tony Michelle or Daryl Henderson are not great RBIs. The O-line 
was okay, but no great shakes. The defense is fearsome, but it's star-powered. If they get one injury to one of their star players, this Rams team suddenly looks like a team that is fragile. I can't say it's putting one ten points on the board in that game. I, I just can't. And and I think that, you know, Tyler Higby, Henderson, Michelle, you know, somewhere there's there's more than ten points there. I think you made some good points, Matt, but if we're talking about them not winning the Super Bowl, I think if we're talking about them beating the Detroit Lions. You know, you talk about some of those players you named, not not as great, RB1, for example, would they get into the Lions team? Daryl Henderson would be RB3 here. He'd be better than Jamal Jefferson, but he wouldn't beat out Jamal Williams. Uh, so many of Shell probably wouldn't make the roster, I don't think. So... Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup uh, uh, you know, is better than yeah. all Cooper of our Cup's wide receiving room. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and what have you are exceptional. But if you had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and a speedy receiver, and as Ashley has mentioned in the chat, Tutu Atwell has speed. Yes, he does, but that's that's it's not the sort of guy you mean, really, is it? Because Tutu Atwell is still this slot. Robert Woods is someone who plays on the outside, but is ideally a slot guy. And so is Cup. They've all got a couple, be, couple will be running 15 yard slants and they will absolutely terrorize our linebacker and safety core. Yeah. Oh, I don't I'm know. Really, I, I, I'm going to that one, but I just don't I just don't see it. Sorry. I think this is one of I our more so, games. I really do. No, I, I, the next game is our winnable game. Our most winnable game. Uh, Deshaun Jack Jackson is there as well. You're right, that fan man. He is there. That is the speedster guy that they're Maybe not physically, height-wise, but yeah, he could do something for Stafford, I guess. My hot take for the Rams is that they come fourth in their division. What? I'll have that bet. I'll have that bet all day long. I think the Cardinals. <laughs> I think the Cardinals will be. In. No. No. Cardinals will be fourth. We'll see what happens. Right, week eight at home against Philadelphia Eagles, six and one, with Ryan spoiling it for all of us. Why do you hate the Lions, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, just got a funny feeling that we won't beat them. Simple as that. I mean, I just don't know. I, I'm just trying to think about their team. Of course, it's a winnable game. Um, you know, they could be a right dumpster fire this year, the Philadelphia Eagles, no doubt about it. But um, you know, I still think that there's, there's, there's some good pieces on that team here and there. And I think that, you know, if, uh, you know, I think that, especially that I think that they've actually got some really good pieces on wide receiver as well. I just haven't got to see the best of them a bit because of injury. I think Rager could still be a very good player. I think Devontae, uh, is it, was it Devontae Smith, is it? Yeah. yeah. He's, I think, you know, obviously people are worried about his, um, his, uh, his height or whatever, you know, and would he be tough enough for this? Uh, league, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be one of fine. And um, I just think that with, even though I don't think he's a great quarterback, I think he's a really great athlete. Hurts. I think he's just going to give us a bit of trouble with his movement as well. So um, I'm a little bit concerned about that. My fear for this week is obviously Darius Slay, the return of Darius Slay to Ford Field. And um, I think that's where the story's written this week. But if, if, if I'm trying to look for wins down the schedule, Home to the Eagles has to be one of the ones I think. Keep it tight. Yeah. I'm going for just to sneak this one. 
for me, um, if if I had to put my mortgage on a single game this season for the Lions, it would be the Eagles at home. I, I think this is the game to win. I think they're a, an absolute dumpster fire of a franchise. I'm not convinced by the head coach. I'm not convinced by the quarterback. Their defense is pretty piss poor. Um, Slay, I think, has, has had we've seen the best of Slay in the NFL. Um, I think this is the game to win. I'm I'm confident about this one. I think they've improved on defense compared to previous years. They drafted Milton Williams. They got in Ryan Kerrigan. They've got in Stephen Nelson. Those are all good pickups that make that defense better. That D line is still one of the best in the league. On offense, I think their O-line is overrated. It's apparently one of the best in the league. But Lane Johnson is past it at right tackle. Kelsey's getting on, although still one of the best. I don't know. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are two of the best tight ends in the league as a tandem. But Jalen Rager is a bust. He almost got cut this offseason. Like, there were big rumours out there that they were looking to trade or just cut him entirely. And he's listed as their wide receiver two. Like, they have one wide receiver worth of salt in Devonta Smith is completely unproven. So, Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts is where this game is won or lost. So, um, Ashley has just said that uh, JJ, say, uh, I can't say his name, Arcade of Whiteside is, is a bust as well, and you're absolutely right. So, you know, if they can win through the tight ends, they can win through Smith, Sanders, and Hurts. But that's it. They're severely limited team. Uh, but they could still beat us. They definitely can beat us, but I, I think we've definitely got the edge here. One of the few games I do think we've got the edge. Let's reveal what we're going to do in the bye. <laughs> we'll win that. Oh, we look at that. No loss. Excellent. Right, let's move on. At Pittsburgh. Two and five with myself and our nice Kool-Aid chuck themselves, everyone else with a loss. Um, Martin, Steelers. That O-line's looking suspect. Yeah, but I think, you know, if we we got absolutely slaughtered here in, in preseason up against their starters. And I know it was our, our reserve um, players, but I, I think this, if you look down, if you compare both sides, I can't see a group that we're worse, uh, that we're better than the Steelers. And I think I like their wide receiver class. And they've got one of the best defences in the league. And... <laughs> I'm not big on the on the QB, even though I drafted him as my backup QB. But I think it's it's a difficult one. I just can't see a way of of winning in Pittsburgh. I'd be very interested to see how you've talked us into a win there. Shall I go yeah. now, or shall I let someone else? Convince me now. Convince yeah, go, me now. Go, go, go Matt. Uh, go Matt, and then I'll tell tell you why you're wrong. That O line, <laughs> that O line is thirtieth, thirty first, thirty second in the league. It's it's horrific. I mean, it's really bad. Trey Turner, they brought in as backup, who's had one of the worst seasons on an O line that I've seen in some time, and they brought him in as a starter. Um, I just, I, I really dislike this. I think they've got four new starters on their O line that all can catch on elsewhere. So, I, I just think that's going to be absolutely awful. Uh, I do fear Pat Frymuth as tight end too. I just think, you know, he torched us. And I think that he'll do that against starters. If they take Eric Ebron as tight end one into this game, I think we've got a much better chance. Those wide receivers are very hard. I would say that Najee Harris has a lot of promise. But he's 
he's a rookie. And I, I want to see it from him first. But I don't think he's going to have the great season everyone believes he's going to have. Roethlisberger is going to be under massive pressure. He's still going to have to pass it very, very quickly like he did last season compared to the previous season before. Roethlisberger is a guy who likes to throw deep with power. And he hasn't been able to do that. And while he did look better in the preseason, I don't know. It is still the Roethlisberger we've seen over the last two or three years carrying an injury. And I just don't see how he's going to do that. Now, that defense is very good. But they lost a couple of key pieces from the previous season. They couldn't re-sign the guy opposite TJ Watt, whose name escapes me for the moment. Um, oh, God damn, I can't remember his name. Someone else will help me out in the chat. Um, they got Melvin Ingram in, so that's going to be a really big pickup. They've got Miles Killebrew in, so obviously they're world beaters. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick has flattered to deceive. He's had one really good year when he came along. Has not been quite as advertised, quite as he is regarded nationally. I think it's a team... Bud Dupree, isn't it? Sorry? Bud Dupree, I think it was, Bud, wasn't it? Bud Dupree, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, it's a team that thinks it's better than it is, and that's a dangerous game for a team like Pittsburgh. That's all I'm going to say. I, I can see complacency setting in with this team. Let, let me just unpick what you've just said. Um, and I'm going to start with Exhibit A which is the Roar of the Lion Fantasy League. Uh, because after saying, oh, you know, Harris is a rookie, he's got a lot to prove, let's look to see who you've picked in the first round. Ah, Najee Harris. First round. First round. Matt has gone ahead of Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Gus Edwards, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift. He is undoubtedly the RB1. And fantasy rankings are based on which wide receiver is sorry, which running back is definitely behind the worst offensive line. He's still going to have the majority of the carries. Fantasy rankings mean nothing in the real world. So um we've already seen that you've got a soft spot for Najee Harris. I like Najee um, Harris. I didn't say I don't like him. Can can I also just point out that Everyone slated the Steelers last year. Everyone picked the Steelers apart last year. They still won 11 games. You know, we are going into, you know, their their home ground, coming off the bye week. I just think this is a game that we're going to get smashed. I Like, I really feel that this is one of the games where we're going to take a massive loss. You know, the Steelers are just formidable. And I just cannot see... You know, they've got so many weapons on offense. Um, you know, they've got a great wide receiving core. I think ha- Harris is a really big passing threat as well. P- permission to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you, Steve, from Dan Pass on Twitch. Lovely Dan, who we hear on the Pride of Detroit I, podcast. I hope he's not looking at my fantasy league. Uh, <laughs> Dan says, Hey, Steve. Why did the Steelers lose all of their games late in the season last year? Why did they lose five of their last six? Because Ben Roethlisberger looked like he was carrying about 25 stone um, and looked like he was moving through treacle. Like, because his offensive line just melted. But, but like, hang on, but, but, but why did they win the first 11 then? Because I think, I, I think Roethlisberger got worse and worse as the season went on. Hmm. Yeah, I, I personally think I think that 
we have a chance if Roethlisberger ain't playing. I don't think his body's cut out for it anymore. I think that, you know, part of the reason why, I mean, he took a massive pay cut just to play there this year. They've got a good team, but I've got a funny feeling that Roethlisberger's going to be the one that's going to let them down in this division because this is, a hell, you know, one hell of a division to be playing in. But, yeah, I, I think it's just a, such a tough place to go. You know, Mike Tomlin's, you know, an amazing coach. He always yeah. has a great game plan. And, you know, I think that, you know, he's going to come up with something and he's going to exploit our weaknesses. And I think that's what it just comes down to with it. It's, you know, I think it's just, there's just more weaknesses on, on our team than what there are against the teams we're playing this year. Yeah. And, Dante and, Johnson, and, Chase Claypool, Freemuth, yeah. Smith-Schuster. They've got so many weapons. Got loads yeah. of weapons. But I will, I, I know you're a big PFF stand. Steve, so I will just tell you that Roethlisberger had an average season at the end of the year. I, I, all I can say is that he basically played just as well at the end as he did at the start, apart from one terrible game against Cincinnati. Yeah. So. His body's breaking down. He, 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 this is his last season, no doubt about it. Yeah. I don't think he'll see out the season, personally. All right, let's move on to week 11. Get this done. done. At the Browns. 0-7. At the Browns. Um, I'm going to start and just lead us off by saying this Browns team could win the Super Bowl. I genuinely believe that this Browns team are legit. They have so much talent that the rookies they have are, you know, some of the most talented prospects who will start for most teams in the league. And they're backups or backups of backups. Like, this team is so deep in all areas of the ball, I cannot believe it exists in real life. Like, with the salary cap, this team should not be allowed to exist. The only thing that can hold them back is Baker Mayfield. And if he plays like he did towards the back half of last year, the only team that can stop this team is Kansas City. They give you hope, I think, if you think about what they were uh, a few years ago. Um, when you're thinking about our own rebuild job, they definitely give you hope, don't they? I don't see them being a, a Super Bowl team yet. Um, but I do think they've got a really good, talented defence, good quarterback and a really strong running game. Um, you know, in, in Chubb and Hunt, I think that's a great one too as well. And I think it's going to be really, really difficult for us to uh, to defend against. It's one of those games that I don't think will be tight. Um, and I, I do see this as a, a pretty bad defeat. Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll be there with each other, like uh, consoling each other at the end of the game, Matt. But I mean, um, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd like to say maybe a different spin on it is that John Dorsey, who's now with the Lions, was obviously the um, guy who, who who was a GM down at the Cleveland Browns, who I think, you know, kind of probably a little bit unfairly got a... Uh, criticised down there but he started getting that team together a little bit and bringing in some really good pieces and drafting well so hopefully you know I think that if you're looking at a rebuild plan and right now the Cleveland Browns are actually for once in their life the team's kind of be trying to follow um, building through the draft and being smart and everything like that and you know but they're, they're a really good team there's there's it's very hard to find weaknesses um, you know, if Beckham, you know, can be more of a team player, he's going to be a hell of a problem. Uh, maybe a little bit in the secondary, you could probably find a tiny bit of weakness, but there's, there's, it's an all-round team and they should be knocking on the door. And to be brutally honest with you, 
they probably should have beaten the um, the Kansas City Chiefs in the in the actual um, title game last year. So you know they could have been sitting there with a Lombardi already, and you know they haven't got any weaker. They've got stronger, and they brought in Clowney as well. Clowney and uh, uh, Garrett. I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, it's it's frightening. It's literally frightening that defense could be, um, you know, really really shit hot this year. And, and their secondary was a weakness, but they brought in John Johnson the third from the Chargers, who I think is one of the best free agency pickups. So you know they have addressed all their weaknesses. Um, yeah, Mayfield is a little bit of a loose cannon, but I kind of just think he's calming down a bit. I think he's, I think he's learning to play the long game a bit and not be so impetuous. Um, you know, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is got to be one of the best one-two punches in any backfield in the NFL. Ever. Um, probably ever. Probably yeah. ever. They, yeah. they they are just... Nick, Nick Chubb is phenomenal. What a player he is. And and I, think what they, him as well. I think they drafted really well again, the Browns as well this year. And, you know, they got a good cornerback in, in their first round um, that I think will be a really good asset to that team. So they're doing the, the, the right things really well, aren't they? So... Yeah, I think they're going to be a strong team in it's a really difficult game for us. Yeah, I mean, so that's Greg Newsom, the, the cornerback. And then they brought in, um, so Richard LeCount, I think was a UDFA, but someone who was really, you know, sought after in the draft process. They've got Jer- Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who no one wants to pick deep in the second round. He's like third on the depth chart when it comes to linebackers. Tommy Togiai was nose tackle too, after our very own new nose tackle. He was regarded very, very highly, and yet he's not starting. And then because of J- Davian Clowney being brought in, Tack McKinley is their third edge rusher, who obviously former first rounder, who's flattered to deceive, but he's still a fantastic third option at the edge. Like it's just a stacked team. It's horrible. Yeah. I, 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 they brought in Anthony Schwartz, that speedster who basically a track star who runs a four-two-four-two-seven, four-two-eight in the forty. Like oh my god. Yeah, how can you just have that in your back pocket? It's not fair. Right, let's move on. Just to say, in the, in the chat, a debt fan man in the chat, as I said, say something bad about Cleveland to make us all feel better. So uh, their uniforms <laughs> are shit. A shit brown uniform. Who wants that? Honolulu blue all the way. Thank you very and much. It, and it's in Ohio shit on. So there you go. <laughs> a shitty oh. uniform in a shitty city. Loads of, loads of Lions fans in Ohio. We love you out there. Thanks for joining us. Um, best O-line oh, in the league. Oh. Well. Uh, yeah, I can't say anything bad about them, so I won't. I'll move on. Uh, in fact, I will say they've got Donovan Peoples-Jones as well, who's a Michigan player, isn't he? Um, who is obviously done really well out there. So Anyway, let's move on to the Bears at home in week 12. Thanksgiving Thursday. Me and Ryan will be there. If COVID calms down, sort your shit out, Americans, please. Um, we are going for six and one, with the only person saying a loss is Tom, who is not with us this evening. I won't presume to say why he hates the Lions, but why do we think that the Lions are getting a win at home against Chicago, boys? You know what I think plays into our hand? I'm pretty sure, um, and without checking, that the Bears are coming off a, sh- a really short week as well. Do they play the Monday? Monday and then Thursday. I'm not sure. Oh, me. Hold on. Have a look. That, that but this is a winnable game. This is a winnable game. There's no doubt about it. Thanksgiving, Detroit, 
then you know we we always normally put a bit of a show on. I know we had a rough one last year against Houston, but yeah, this is um, this is a good chance to uh, to win, and uh, I think I think they will, and I think they could probably go on a little bit, a tiny bit of a run after this game as well. Yeah, um, can I just say to Tom, love love Tom, absolutely love Tom, but if he is predicting that we are going to lose to the Bears at home, then Tom right now the reason he's not on his podcast is because he's lying in a bath, uh, maybe listening to Tori Amos while lighting a scented candle and, and drinking a bottle of rosé wine. Uh, um, you know, Tom, man up. Come on, pull yourself together. You can snap out of this. We're going to beat the Bears in week 12. Okay, hang on. Let, let, let's just ask Ryan and Martin, what makes this game different? Is it just because we're at home? Is it the time that we're playing them? Is it because it's Thanksgiving? What is it that makes it different? I think it's this is the kind of time we're looking for that defense to have improved. And I think this is where this is a winnable game with an improved defense at home on Thanksgiving to the Bears for me, anyway. Um, and I think probably Fields will be playing by this point, maybe. So a rookie quarter, uh, sorry, a, a rookie QB. In on Thanksgiving against an improved defense, that's where I am with that. Ryan, yeah, I think that. I mean, it goes back to what we said, and what was it, week three or week four? It's a winnable game in Chicago as well. So, you know, I just think that home advantage will play a part, and um, you know, that they could be having a really bad season, you know, themselves, the Bears. But I think that you know, this this is just a winnable game, and it's a game I think that we should be winning. To be brutally honest, you so. You know, we definitely do a win against the Bears at home anyway. Feels like a while since a Thanksgiving win. Anyone know when the last one was? I think it was against the Vikings, wasn't it? A couple of years ago, about three years ago. Already 16. Yeah, about that. I could be wrong. Yeah. We've had the Vikings and the Bears quite a lot lately, I think. Yeah, we we we, we, oh, we beat the Eagles one time as well, but that must be about five years ago. So we beat the Eagles on Thanksgiving, I believe, as well. Mm. Okay, hang on. So we yeah, lost, the last couple years. lost to the Bears, lost to the Bears, uh, lost to the Vikings, beat the Vikings 16-13, November 16. Yeah, I thought it was 16. So there we go. Right, let's move oh. it on. Home against the Vikings. So let's keep it to why is this game different to the previous one, if it is different. And it's two and five. Uh, Steve and Ryan have both picked wins. Why Why is this game different? Steve? <laughs> um, I think because we're, we're, not, we're, we're not away. We're not in the Vikings stadium. We're in our home turf, Ford Field. It'll be absolutely jumping. We'll be getting better as the season goes on. I, I genuinely think by this point we're starting to show something. Our defence is starting to show some teeth. Uh, our offence is maybe clicking a little bit. I, I think by this point we'll have found out the Vikings. Ford Field will be absolutely, totally hyped for this. And I think we'll beat them. Yeah, I just think exactly the same. I think that the team will start maturing a little bit. They'll, you know, they'll, be, uh, they'll, they'll start to grow in confidence and... You know, I think that we'll look a much better team than what we would have in the first few weeks of the season. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a winnable game. No difference when we play at their place. But, um, yeah, I just think that things will start to maybe start to click for us a little bit here. And um, we'll go back to back wins. Yeah, winter's setting in. Kirk Cousins will be, like, hiding in his plexiglass little cubicle by now. 
yeah, trying to keep himself safe for another contract, yeah. another 30 million, which he's never getting again. COVID could be something which really actually plays a factor in this game because Cousins can't hide from it forever. He's going to miss at least three games this season because he's got his beliefs to the vaccine. But no matter what you believe, the unvaccinated have a higher rate of COVID than the unva- uh, the vaccinated players. So, and, and you're playing a game which requires close contact over a prolonged period of time. The chance of him getting COVID is extremely high. So he's going to miss some games. And if it's in this week, maybe we get the win. Maybe we just do. I just think it's interesting how, like, I mean, I know it's a different topic and we want to go through this, but how, like, the Buccaneers have managed to get everyone vaccinated and then you've got someone who's on 30 million a year in in uh, in Cousins who ain't doing it, who, you know, um, it hasn't been exactly showing himself to be great. And then the one I can't believe is that Carson Wentz. I mean, he's, he's like, make or break this year and, uh, you know, he can barely stay fit and he won't be getting uh, getting a... Uh, Taking that on as a leader of the team, I just don't get it. I just really don't get it. I don't get it either. Have you have you guys seen the um the picture of Wentz? It's like a kind of newsroom. It's got the ticker on there. It's like it's Sky News or something, and it says star quarterback Wentz says I want to see more data on COVID before getting the vaccine, and then it says underneath fact check, not star quarterback. <laughs> like yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so. Much. Um, right, let's move this on. We've got five more weeks to get through, and we start off with at Denver. And this one goes three and four. And Steve and Ryan McCluskey going with wins. Myself, Ryan, Tom, and Martin with losses. So, Steve, let's start with the win. What what allows us to get over the line against Denver? Um, I, I think Denver's got a good defence. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, Fangio over there, but I just don't think that their offense is all that. I, I think there's not much on their offense that frightens me. Um, I think, yeah, and, and you know, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, very much in the Andy Dalton kind of like league of middling quarterbacks. Um, so I just don't think there's anything on the offense that frightens me. And I think by this point, we are picking up momentum and we're going to get a win. All right, Ryan Martin, one jump in with a loss. Um, for me, well, I mean, I, I think, sorry, Martin, I think uh, basically it's they've got great defense. I, I think Patrick Satan could easily be up for like a defensive rookie of the year, basically. I think he's going to be a top notch player in this league. Um, they've got great defense. Uh, whether you like him or not, Teddy Bridgewater is pretty steady and, you know, he will play kind of as. You know, he won't be like bombing it down there like Drew Locke will be. Um, you know, he'll be taking the team down the field, um, you know, well. And he, I know last year in, in, in Carolina, there was a bit of a problem with him getting in the end zone when he brought him down the end of the field. But I just think that that's quite a good team there in Denver. And I think that Fangio, you know, was it his third or third year, maybe fourth year? I think this is going to be a, a bit of a surprise package for me. I, I, I quite like Denver. I think that they've got... Um, you know, decent team there brewing. And then also it's, you know, very cold there and uh, the, you know, the um, altitude and everything like that. It's just a tough place to play. And yeah, I think we can't short there. I would agree with that. I think, you know, on the road, this is a really tough game. You've got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb both back. 
their secondary. And you look at Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and then Sertain that, that Ryan's mentioned. It comes up, it, it's that defense issue again. How are we going to score points? How are we going to score enough points away in December in a tough, tough environment against this team? And I think some people are sleeping on the Broncos. I really do. I think they could be better than uh, a few people's predictions for them. So, yeah, I think if this was a game at Ford Field, I'd feel a lot more comfortable in, in saying that this was going to be a, um, a win. But away, I, just, I can't see us uh, winning this one. So, for me, it's just that that team is absolutely stacked. I don't think they're a quarterback away. Now, I mean that I think that the team can win with the course facts they have. Can they win it all? It's a long shot, but I think that they have a shot in the same way that other teams don't have a shot. Like the Lions cannot win the Super Bowl this year. I think that's a shock to anyone. But the Broncos can. It's a slim chance. But Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Fan. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, Tim Patrick. It's a very good offense. Uh, they got Graham Glasgow, you know, all-time legend of the Lions. Um, that defense, they've got Jermar Johnson, who's in the PFF preseason All-Pro team this season. The, the rookie, I think he was a sixth or seventh rounder in the end. He should have gone in the second or third. He's their third best safety. Like, <laughs> that's just crazy. Pat Satan along with Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan. Oh, yeah, oh, my God. Baron Von Browning. Miller. Baron Von Browning. Von hmm? Miller. Von Miller. But, but everyone on our draft chat kind of wanted Baron Browning a little bit at linebacker, and he's not repping with the ones there. Like, it's an incredible team. And at mile high, against Sam Martin, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. So, Right, let's move on to Arizona at home. And I'm, I'm looking for the wins here. Two and five. Come on, man. I'm going for a win. Tom's going for a win. And everyone else hates MCDC. So. I, I, I really struggle with this one, believe it or not, more than most of the other um, um, games that we had to select. I, I you know, I, I was very close to giving us a W here, but um, it's getting towards the end of the season, you know, um, I don't know what to expect of the Cardinals this year. I, I I really don't know what to expect of them. And I just kind of just looked at Kyler Murray and I thought that, you know what, someone like him and DeAndre Hopkins could just be enough to be the difference makers here. And that's that's basically just what I went off. It's one of the worst head coaches in the league. He's just he's he's wasted a really good team. The Arizona Cardinals are a really good team. But they won't be when this coach is in charge. Kyler Murray is not as good as he could be because this coach is in charge. DeAndre Hopkins is wasted because he gets fed the ball when if they spread it around a bit more, he'd have more opportunities to actually gain separation. But they don't scheme their players very well. They, they are less than the sum of their parts. That's why I've picked with I think um I think the thing with the Cardinals is it's kind of like thinking situationally. The Cardinals could be by week 15, I don't know, they could be uh, 10 and 4 or 9 and 5 or kind of in that 
in that wild card mix. I don't think they're going to win the, uh, the NFC West, but I think at this point, the Cardinals are going to be absolutely fighting for a wild card place. Um, and I think probably by then we're, you know, we're kind of, I don't know, we're like five and 10 or something like that, five and nine. Um, and, and, you know, not in contention. And, and I think that mobile quarterback, I never like the Lions defense against a mobile quarterback. I think we always do better against the pocket passer. Um, and I, I just can't, I can just see Moe having enough weapons um, to, to take this. And I also think the Cardinals defense is going to be better this year. In the last couple of years, we, we've obviously beat them up, and I think, but we have always struggled against Kyle and I think it, it's another... it was a tie last time. Oh, yeah, of course it was, yeah. I think well, we, beat, we beat them last year and then the year before. But the tie they did, yeah. They all just felt like a defeat as well. We threw it away, I think. Um, anyone from Matt Prey to field goal to win it? Mm. Oh, that would be no. a kick in the balls. Um, but I think, you know, with AJ Green, JJ Watt, Rodney Hudson as well. They've got some real, you know, talent on that on that roster. And I think it, it does depend, I think, like Steve said, where they are at this point in the season. If they're in that playoff mix and we don't have a lot to play for, then I can easily see this falling the way the Cardinals. However, if they haven't got much to play for either, they've had a change of uh, front office staff, then who knows? Maybe it is another additional W. But I think at this stage of the season, it's very much depends on where they are. I do see them being in the mix. Um, so that's why I've gone for a loss ultimately. All right, let's move on to week 16. Three games to go at Atlanta Falcons. And we have gone four, if it wants to do it. Five and two away against Atlanta and Kyle Pitts. Uh, two losses have come from Steve and Ryan. So we're two and two in the room. Steve, what do you reckon, man? Um. I think this is a tough game. Um, I think, I think I was vet. This is like the one game where I was really like wavered between. I couldn't pick the result um, because I think fundamentally the Falcons haven't got much better. They've gained Carl Pitts. They've lost Julio Jones. Um, I, I don't rate the, the receiving core in Atlanta. I, I, you know, I just don't like um, Calvin Ridley as a wide receiver one. Um, I, you know, I think running back isn't a strength and I don't think their defence will be much better. I think Arthur Smith will bring something to Atlanta, but I think maybe this is like, you know, they, he's going to start to show in the second season. But at the same time, I, I kind of wonder whether the Lions season is maybe starting to peter out a bit by this point. Maybe we've got injuries um, and and maybe the Falcons are kind of like scrapping for with like an outside chance of a wild card because I think the NFC South outside the Bucks is pretty wide open. Um, I think the Bucks will win it by miles, but then I think there's definitely a, a wild card spot up for grabs for the the second place team because I can't see the Panthers or the Saints doing much. So I don't know. I think a narrow loss for me. What about you, Ryan? me um i yeah i i kind of basically agree again it's i just think it's towards the end of the season it's gonna start dwindling away and all that stuff and and, and you know i do think arthur smith will have will get some really good stuff out of um matt ryan again this year um he better because he's my fantasy quarterback uh, in the royal alliance draft but um no I've, i i think that carl pitch is going to you know, end up being like, you know, a Hall of Fame by the time he's done and dusted his league. But yeah, I just think it's just going to be one of those 
kind of tight games. Whenever we play the Falcons, there's always an interesting end to it normally. So, you know, it could go right down to the wire. I wouldn't say that we, you know, that we can't not win it because we definitely can. But um, it's amazing how many times we play them. I think three or four, the last four times, it's gone down to like the last seconds on the clock. So it's um, it could be a tight one. I just don't know. I mean, it just feels like, you know, the season's winding down and you'll probably hear me say that again for the next two games. But just, yeah, I don't know. Could go either way that one easily, though. Could go either way. Martin? Yeah, I think you, for me, this one again is... I don't think either team got anything to play for at this stage of the season. I think you've got Matt Ryan, who's 36, behind a not-so-strong O-line. Um, yeah, I think this is one that just tips in our favour at this stage of the season, with both teams not got a lot to play for. Um, certainly was my favourite game last season, so let's hope for a similar one this season. Yeah, this is a coin flip game for me. So... Don't forget, Lions are one of the best in the league at winning pointless games. So you can't underrate that fact. Um, it's because we play a lot of them, I think. Yeah, I think it's true. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I kind of like their team. I think it goes slightly underrated, but I still think we'll beat them. Apparently, AJ Terrell was playing a lot better at this point, and that team really needs it. Brady Jarrett could have a really good season. They've got Duron Harmon starting at safety, so it's not all good news in, in Atlanta, but I, I love Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is the business. So we'll see what happens. Ryan is always going to put up points. So if we struggle to put up points, it's going to be a tough game. Um, but I just see us sneaking it. I, I think that our defense will play better than their defense, and that's what it will come down to. A couple of questions I just want to address. Depp Van Man says, strong take from, from me uh, about the previous game against the Cardinals and saying that they've got an awful head coach in Cook Kingsbury, and he asked, who do I think is the worst head coach in the NFL, not named Lafleur? And if I avoid all of the rookie head coaches, which I think is a bit unfair, because I do think David Cully is terrible, and I think uh, Sirianni is also awful, but they haven't played a game yet, so it seems a bit unfair to, to go for them so, so early. I think the worst head coach who's not a rookie is probably Zach Taylor of the Bengals. I think it's then Matt Nagy of the Bears... Then I think it's Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Gruden. Gruden's I think up. Gruden's got to be up there. It's not that he's bad generally. He's just a bit out of touch. Gruden. Joe Judge. Joe Judge. No, I don't know. He gets them fighting. I, I, I think that they could have a decent season. The uh, I don't think they'll have a winning season. But I think they'll be like, you know, one of those... Maybe a seven and nine, or not a seven. It can't be seven and nine now. Can seven, seven and ten sort of thing. I think I think that won't be too bad. The Giants this year, but um, I mean, I, Zach Taylor, yeah, doesn't look very good. I don't think he'll last the season. But mm, yeah, I would say I, Gruden's it, pretty good. They just feel like a franchise that, that's treading water to me. The Giants, yeah, they don't seem to be going forward much. Uh, Ashley's just said Mike McCarthy, Pohart, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's been past it for some time. Uh, the other question I wanted to address was Dan said, um, after all the talk of, of Sam Martin and Matt Fraser and Eric Ebron earlier, do you believe in revenge games for our ex-players? Is that a thing or is it just that we just play them and they come here and, and you know there's nothing to it? You always want to win, don't you? No matter where you go, you always want to get one up on your old employers or anything like that. So, you know, you know we, we'd expect the same of our players if... You know they were going to their old stomping ground, so yeah, don't yeah. Of course, you want to try and get a win because it's hard to win in the NFL. So, 
I would have thought that personally. But I think we've got a revenge game in week 17 against the Seahawks because I think Diggs will be out to prove a point. Again? Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about it. He's holding out. He might not play for them this year. I know. He wants a new contract to reflect the high level of play he's had. So we'll see. Um, Anyway, that game against Seahawks in week 17, we've all gone for a loss. Um, Seahawks less than for big things? Or is this a game they've got to win to get into the playoffs? It's a hard division there. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think that the NFC West will come down to week 18. And I think the Seahawks will still be in a probably a three-way tussle with the Rams. I, I actually think the 49ers will finish last in that division. I think it'll be between the Rams and the Cardinals um, and the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks will probably shade the Rams for it, but I think they're going to be still absolutely fighting. Um, and I think away in Seattle in that stadium with that crowd, uh, a bit of a bridge too far for us. Yeah, I, I think same really. I think January in Seattle is tough for anyone, but... Um... I, I think that's a really tough division. I, I've got the 49ers and the Seahawks making the playoffs with the wild cards in the, on that division. I think that's a it's just a really competitive division. And I think they'll be playing, you know, at, at this, it comes back to what Steve's situational play at this stage of the season. You're looking for Seahawks looking to win every game possible. And I think our season's long since over at this stage. So it could be a bit of a hiding to nothing this one. Yeah, was it New Year's Day or something like that? Or it's virtually New Year's Day over there for for the game. So, you know, tough place to go, if not the toughest virtually in the league. And uh, I, f- I agree. I think uh, I think three playoff teams will be, you know, getting uh, getting in from that division. And that's, you, that's, yeah. that's probably one of the best divisions in football. You know the weather's going to be stinking for this as well, don't you? <laughs> not going to be the best. Uh, hot take from Dan in the Twitch chat. He thinks the entire NFC West are going to the playoffs. Wow. That that would be historic. I'd love to see that. I think it'd be really cool as a like first ever. Um, apparently, TJ Watt is considering holding out, and that will be interesting. Um, right, Seahawks hard. Right, we'll finish off with Green Bay, Week 18 at home, finishing off the first season of the Dan Campbell era. Two and five, myself and Steve going for wins, everyone else going for losses. Steve, lead us off. Why win in week 18? Uh, because the Packers will have unfortunately won the division in about week 15. Um, and they'll have probably won home field advantage um, and will end up playing their second string, which will be. Um, so unfortunately, it will be a win, but a win that's maybe got a little bit of a sour taste to it because we'll know that the Packers will be heading for the playoffs. Um, and but you know it will be a good morale boosting win. It's right. one of those typical kind of games. Uh, you know, obviously we always want the Lions to win, so I'm never saying that. But it'd be kind of one of those things where Steve's right, where the game will probably be over. We'll probably, you know, the, the division will be over and well decided, and we'll probably win it, and we'll go from being like the second pick or third pick <laughs> in the draft down to like number eight or nine or something like that. You know, that's the kind of typical thing that happened. But of course, you want to try and win every game, so I wouldn't expect nothing less. But um, but yeah, it's just that's the kind of. Thing that will probably end up happening as a you know instead of just winning it and staying in the same sort of draft position or something like that. Martin, yeah, I think for me the the only positive about this one is that I think it's probably Rogers' final trip to Ford Field in a Packers jersey. Fingers crossed, so that pain can stop after this year. But 
I don't know. This, this game's always really difficult to predict, isn't it? For many things, it's a blowout either way and quite often the last game of the season. And I think, you know, <laughs> by this stage, we probably want to lose to get that higher draft pick anyway. Um, uh, I never want to lose. Never no, no. Lose. <laughs> I think it's, it, it's going to be a really difficult ask to, to, to beat the Packers, I think, this year. And I think with the position that we'll be in at this stage and they'll be in, I, I can't see a win. Uh, Debt fan man, just to reply to you, sir, I don't think we're getting swept by the NFC West because I predict a win against the Cardinals. So, don't know, man. Uh, Dan says that I might have gotten us into the playoffs with nine wins if his eyes are right. And your eyes are absolutely right. I'll reveal the, the overall rankings there while I talk about the Packers. So the reason why I think we're going to beat the Packers is because we just have a habit of winning these games. We just do. Like, th- this could be 38-0. I mean, it was once in the final week of the season, wasn't it? With Matt Prater having a, a passing touchdown. I could just see it happening. Can you imagine if... um. Jack Fox comes on to try and complete an extra point and then throws for a two-point conversion or something. It could happen. Crazy things happen. Um, Penny Saul could have a receiving touchdown in this game. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but anyway, let's have a look at our final rankings. So, leading us off from the bottom, Ryan Farden, 3-14. and 14, You are our resident doomster. Uh, we have Tom and Martin, 4-13. and 13. Then we have Ryan McCluskey on 6-10 and fuck you. Uh, Steve, 6-11. and 11. Um, Actually, so you should have been first. Sorry. Um, then Ant, 8-9. and nine, and Myself on 9-8. and eight. I do not think 9-8 and eight will be good enough for the seventh seed. Um, I'd like to point out, I do not have us winning more than two games in a row in the entire run. So I don't think we ever put a run together of, of games. Just things can be a win here and there. I think it's going to be emblematic of uh, an emblematic is a word, Steve. Um, emblematic that, yeah. of, of MCDC's kind of hot and cold season. It will happen. Uh, anyone want to justify their overall rankings to the to the listeners? I just think we should uh, start calling Ryan Carlos from now on. How <laughs> <laughs> Carlos? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I got it right last year. And um, don't get me wrong, I hope there's a lot more wins there than what I put us down for. Um, God knows we need to see some positivity. But, um, yeah, I hope I'm wrong, let's put it that way. Yeah, and just like saying, just like looking at the chart and stuff like that, like I've picked 6 and 11. I, I wish it was 11 and 6. Like I'm not here hoping for 6 and 11. Like I absolutely really, really hope I'm wrong. I hope we get better quicker. I hope the offence clicks. I hope the defence just becomes savage. It's just kind of like how I feel. I, I feel we're a 6 and 11 team. But I think even though that effectively is not much better than next se- than last season, I think we'll play a lot better. I think we'll be a lot closer matches and we'll have some enjoyable football to watch. I cannot wait. The thing is, you know, I think the thing is we, we've traded away our franchise quarterback in Stafford. We've replaced him with Goff, you know, and then we've given Goff seven guys on the receiving end there with almost no previous history of any success in the NFL. And I think, you know, I, I think we have to accept that this is a rebuild year. And I, to be fair, you know, four wins, what I've gone for, I've gone for four wins. It could easily be more, it could easily be less. It, it's just going to be one of those 
see what happens and see what clicks. If that defense clicks and improves quicker, then potentially you can see a couple more wins. If it doesn't improve in the way that we want, you could see less. You know, there are a lot of coin toss games there, a lot of swing games that could easily go either way. And that will, you know, that's why we love the game, isn't it, basically? So I, I, I'm in this thinking that, you know, this is all part of a step along uh, the journey with, um, you know, Campbell and Holmes. And and we just have to accept that, you know, there's going to be bumps in that road. Um, but buying into it nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, that is funny. You said it just as I was just about to, is that we've been talking for two hours. We've just mentioned Goff for the first time. And uh, it's quite amazing, really, because how many, how often were we talking about Stafford and Stafford and Stafford over the last year or so and years before that? But, yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a, a rough year, for, I think, for Jared Goff and probably no fault of his own, to be honest with you. But, um, like I say, please God, we're... You know, Matt's right with his predictions this year, 9 and 8. I'd be more than happy with that, most definitely. So we've gone with an average of 6 and 11. Yeah, I think it was like 5.7 to 10.1 to 0.2 or something like that. Where do you feel we get, what draft pick do you feel we get with 6 and 11? 7 again? Yeah, something like that. Mm. 6, 7, which would be fine. I don't mind picking that sort of range. That puts you in the sort of range where you can take a safety... Kyle Hammerson's there, unless he goes higher, he could go higher. But, but we could trade. We could trade up because we've got the pick. Yeah, I would be very angry if we traded up, even for QB. I don't see any QB I want to trade up for right now, but that could change. Um, I want Malik Willis, and I don't see him going top five, so that's okay. But we'll see. We can talk more about that. In, in six the months. <laughs> in six oh, we've got, we got plenty of time to talk about the draft. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, if, you want to, if you want to hear more about the draft, if you want to have a listen in to what's been going on in the college game, then you'll have to join us on Wednesday for our Royal of the Lions college show. So that's every Wednesday at 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. ET. Going to review everything that's happened in week one of the college season. I think they're going to be covering the game last night. Went to overtime with Notre Dame beating Florida State 41-38. A couple of other really big games in there, including uh, UCLA dominating LSU 38-27, and Georgia bringing out a massive victory against Clemson 10-3. Clemson and Georgia, uh, Clemson pretty much the only big team in their conference, and getting off to an 0-1 start, that is awful. So, you know, let's see what happens there. But DJ Ungalele had a, had a really bad uh, time. There's a few other really big games that happen in there, but you can listen to Ant and Ryan break all that down on Wednesday night. Um, our next episode, as I've said before, is going to be on Thursday. Sorry, Martin. Yes, yeah, so did anyone see the video of um, the pre-game from Penn State, Wisconsin? The fans back in the ground would jump around. It's worth a watch on Twitter if you, uh, if you haven't seen that yet. Really good to see fans back. Which game was it that played into Sam? Wisconsin and Penn State. I, there was one where they played in Sandman's coming in. It looked sick. Mm-hmm. Really good. But yeah, I'd jump around be really good. I'm going to have a watch of that. Um, any any last words, boys, before I sign off? Ooh. Looking forward to the start of the season and hope everyone's excited and six more sleeps and then we're there. So yeah, you know, we'll all be, we'll all get the call laid down us and who knows, they, 
like if there's one team in the NFL that can surprise you, it's definitely the Detroit Lions. So let's go. One pride. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long off season, like a long, long off season. This has seemed like it seems a long time since the draft, and I'm just so looking forward to some football. And like you know, I've picked against us in week one, but I hope we smash the 49ers. We'll yeah. see. I hope so. Last, we've had our last um, non-football Sunday until the 20th of February, so that's what, that's something really nice to take away tonight. Anyway. Yeah. Even nicer if we're playing on the 20th of February. Yeah, <laughs> that's our birthday, so yeah. It'd be great. Um, yeah, so don't forget to join us on Thursday. We're going to be breaking down the 49ers, having a look at what they've done uh, through the off-season and the pre-season. Uh, we will have as well a watch party happening on Sunday, so if you want to watch along with us, you can join us in a Zoom or maybe join us in the, um, in the new Discord channel. If you want to do that, I don't know where we're going to be hosting it. We want to, so give us a shout if you want to join us for that. Um, but otherwise, socials, Royal Alliance UK, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, RoyalAllianceUK.com. Subscribe with us, rate us five stars if you can. If you can't, let us know why. Always open suggestions to make the pod a better place. Just remains me to thank all the guys watching along live on the YouTube chat or on Twitch, or if you're listening to us on the recorded audio, so I would appreciate you guys too. Thanks to Martin Bill, Ryan Fardens, Steve Collins, and Matthew Turner. We'll see you on Thursday. Let's go, Lions. One pride. One pride. One pride.